Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds argue with each other. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>to the superpod hero cast guys with beers talking about movies with capes episode 69 i'm casey ryan <laughs> i'm todd panic and we watched <laughs> guardians of the galaxy Ooh. you're a fucking pervert yeah i know i couldn't help myself but uh, how perfect that episode 69 is uh starring peter quill peter quill the man who and, never grew up. And Rocket. Like, I feel like that's also, like, <laughs> Rocket does, may not understand what it is, but that's his sense of humor as well. But if someone explains it to him, he would find it very funny. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. He is an alien, so. Dude, I loved watching this movie. Yes, I I thoroughly enjoyed the rewatch of this. I purposefully um, stayed away from even making this, like, my uh, movie that I watched to fall asleep to or do laundry or something. I I wanted to keep this, you know, as a as a fresh watch as possible for this review. Yeah, 100%. And it, it was it's funny. I as I was watching it, I was thinking how much how excited I was to be watching it. I was almost as excited to be watching this as I was Winter Soldier, but somehow I was, I was able to concentrate a little bit more cuz I wasn't so giddy with Winter Soldier. So I may have gotten more. I think I have a little more insight into this movie than I did for that last one. This may be the apex, these two movies, of the MCU. Because, yeah. because the movies that came before it also were not stellar. 
that suddenly we're like, oh, oh, okay, Winter Soldier. Oh, Jesus, Guardians of the Galaxy, here we go. Yeah. We've made it. Yeah. L- listen, whether they're the top two, they're certainly at the top of the list. And oh, 100%. You know, Winter Soldier, we have we had the benefit of seeing Captain America in his origin story. Then he we got mm-hmm. to explore this new conflict with him, the man out of time in the Avengers. And then by the time we get to Winter Soldier, there's a lot of material to work with. I might actually think I might actually say Guardians is even more impressive because James Gunn took a team that was unless you were reading comics right at the time, this was not a team that people like these individual characters were not even I would say some of them not even C list uh, heroes I, until I, this. I knew Groot. That sure, was it. Sure. Just because he was a giant fucking tree. You, exactly. you don't forget him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and well, he's more tree-like in the comics. He's literally like he, a tree. Yeah. Is he uh, Is he a member of the Kotati? Well, now, I believe that is his, I believe that is, I mean, yeah, sure. Let's go with yes. <laughs> um, well, okay. Listen, we, I, I feel like, I feel like we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, what we could do right now is, uh, since we are... Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? Let's start tending to our beer. Now, this is an aggressive... You want to pour this aggressively, like, right right down the glass. I'm, I'm right. sure that picked it up, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, like a, like a Guinness, you're going to let it kind of settle. That's some nice foley work you got going on there, Todd. Thank you. Oh, look oh at my. oh, look at that beautiful cascading. And usually we don't talk about the color or anything until we've talked about the beer. So, Todd, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what we got in front of us? Sure, we are drinking a beer actually from a from a brewery. I've I've had a few times. Um, I was happy to see it. Uh, so this is Left Hand Brewing Company, which is a uh, brewing company out of uh, Longmont, Colorado. The brewery is over 26 years old. Uh, actually started by a couple of Air Force buddies, Eric Wallace and Dick Door. Uh, they set out to make the kind of beer that excited them, beer that they wanted to drink. Always uh, a big fan of that. This is... So, this is a beer you picked up months ago. <laughs> I sure right? did. I picked it up for Thor Ragnarok. Which was good call, but there's no way we would have gotten through enough movies to drink it. So... We've got a couple of months left before it's uh, past its best by date. Um, mm. But we are drinking Left Hand Brewing Company's Imperial Stout. This is Galactic Cowboy. It would have worked Nitro. for Ragnarok. That's right. That's right. Nitro Galactic Cowboy. Uh, would have worked for Ragnarok. Oh, no, no. Ni- Nitro Imperial Stout, not Nitro Galactic Cowboy. Nitro. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, totally go uh, yeah, I'll figure. This would have worked. Yes, uh, just leave it in. Fuck it. Yeah, That's sure. Fuck it. We're fern. Yeah. Um, I did actually take a trip to branching out just yesterday, oh, and yeah? uh, I may have found our beer for Ragnarok. <laughs> okay. Well, well, all right. Let's... I drank it last night. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, this I'm looking very. I'm forward to. So this is uh, Galactic Cowboys Left Hand Brewing Company's in Nitro Imperial Stout. The tagline for the beer is blast off into the stratosphere and grab a fistful of stars. Smoother than Solo and darker than the dark side, Galactic Cowboy is brewed for cosmic adventure. With notes of bittersweet chocolate and black coffee, 
This high-octane stout is the fuel you need to wrangle the universe. Uh, as you pointed out earlier, this is a 9% alcohol by volume, 44 IBUs, and oh boy, that is a good-looking beer. Oh, that's so pretty. All right. Cheers, Cheers. my friend. Oh, wow. wow. Something about a nitro stout. That is... Oh, my God. That was... It's way too drinkable wow. for that much alcohol. Oh, yeah, we need to just leave it alone until we start the movie discussion. Yeah. You know, we, we've had some Imperial Stouts. Um, I feel like one of the Spider-Man movies, maybe it was... Amazing Spider-Man. Boris the Spider or... Boris the Spider, co- yep. Um, there were a couple that we've had that were really tough, right? Like, like oh, boy. But this one, uh, yeah, that's going to... I brought both cans downstairs here with me tonight. I'll... That'll be. Hey, a, you don't have to drive to go to work. <laughs> I don't. You're, that's you're, true. I don't. I don't. It's very so possible. So if you have two, go right ahead. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I'm um, simply pacing because I have to drive for work. Um, so again, I, you know, I think we 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 spoke a little bit about. It. So in the greater Syracuse, New York area, branching out bottle shop, mm-hmm. absolutely the finest beer selection you're going to find. This is an amazing beer, but it's just one of a bazillion amazing beers that they always have. So they never let us down. Got to go check them out. Hey, Todd, I think we've only got a reaction for this week. Reshoots. So our our good buddy, Phil, friend of the podcast and guest <laughs> for Iron Man, way back when, yes, when he we was. kicked off the MCU, uh, our buddy Phil sent us a note um, just about a few weeks ago back at the beginning of December. Um, This was in response to episode 66 special. His note is, hey guys, so I just listened to the, quote, special episode, and my apologies for making you remember that one, but I had honestly thought so little of this movie that when it popped up and said special, my immediate reaction was, a holiday episode? Kind of early, but okay. I appreciate you going on that ride with us, Phil. Uh, So (laughs) Phil started listening, and he thought for a second, this is an odd holiday episode. Oh, son of a... This is that weird independent film or whatever. But okay, so I listen, and I'll be honest, when Todd gave that quick synopsis about it, I was like, that sounds way better. Where was that one? Now, I'd watch that movie. I usually watch, then listen. I did not for this one because I had forgotten all about it. Anyway, it's always funny listening to you guys crap all over a movie that deserves it. And I personally love the tangents and side stories that accompany a bad, awful movie. Laurel. I got to find Laurel Oliver. Keep up the good work. It's always good listening. Thanks for what you do, Phil. Our buddy Phil. Phil, thank you for listening. Thanks, Phil. Uh, may I? Yes, please. L- Laurel. Laurel, I've got to find Laurel. I've got to find my daughter. <laughs> Just, oh boy. So, uh, depending on how much uh, future Todd cut from our opening banter, you may have heard us pointing out that what I think is so impressive about Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, smack dab, well, not even in the middle, tor- almost at the end of phase two of the MCU, is this is the first movie that introduces non-Avengers characters, right? Like, all yeah. the other movies are all to serve the Avengers. End of phase one, we've got the first Avengers movie, everything picks up phase two, and again, it's reinforcing those characters. James Gunn takes... Characters that exist, they all existed in the comics before the movie. None of them were created for this. But nope. um, as you pointed out, this particular team doesn't get assembled until, you know, the right before the movie gets announced. 
Um, the original Guardians of the Galaxy actually go all the way back to 1969. So Roy Thomas is the first editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics after Stan Lee. He has this idea for this team of space mercenaries and brings it to Stan Lee. They get a green light. Stan Lee and one of the other creators creates a number of characters. Of them, we'll only see one of them in the first movie. But he's not even a member of the Guardians in the first movie. Um, we'll see the and rest. He's of not them. at all like he is in the comics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see the rest Thank of goodness. them in a little uh, cameo um, at the end of the second Guardians movie, which is a lot of fun. But the original lineup: Vance Astro, Martin X, Charlie Twenty Seven, and Yandu Udanta. So Yandu, of course, makes it into this movie. The rest of them mm-hmm. we won't see until the af- after the second Guardians movie. The original team in 1969, um, they are fighting this alien race known as the Badoon. They're they're the humanoid reptilian race. They're not shapeshifters like the Skrulls, but you know they're bad guys because they look unhuman, right? They're reptilian. Um, uh-huh. f- fast forward about 40 years, 2008. There's a comic book. Um, there's a Marvel comic series event, Annihilation Conquest which is about these cosmic heroes defending Earth from the phalanx, which is this um, cybernetic race that creates this hive mind. They happen to be led by Ultron, um, and some new teams emerge. The characters that are on this team appear in that in separate disparate teams. Um, In addition to that, other characters, Nova, who's a Marvel Comics character who's been talked about a lot, supposedly going to be in phase five. Um, Warlock, who first appears in New Mutants comics. Then also Adam Warlock, who's a separate character. Moon Dragon, Ronin from this movie. Mantis. It's a big lineup. These get distilled down again. And then again, right before, you know, around 20, uh, the early 2010s, 2011, 2012, somewhere in that time frame, the team that we see as Guardians of the Galaxy gets assembled. But again, if you're not reading comics and you're not reading that slice of Marvel comics at this time, you know, most people, let's see, I knew who Star-Lord was. I knew who Rocket was. I knew who Groot was. This Drax is not the Drax I'm familiar with because he's, you know, been reworked. But this was essentially James Gunn saying, yeah, you know what? I don't want any of those heroes that anybody knows about. Give me the, uh, who do you got left that's not in anything else? Yeah, give me those. Yeah, great. I'm going to go make a story with them. And holy shit, does he do that? Does he ever? So, he makes... you, so uh, mm. James Gunn, the, I think you talked about him at the end of Winter Soldier. He is, uh, which may or may not have made the cut. I can't remember. That might have been a post recording conversation. But James Gunn was this kind of horror. He was a, clearly a fan of comics, but he'd been doing edgy stuff, horror. You referenced he, Peter Jackson. Yeah, he. I was just. I was just gonna say he's very much the Peter Jackson of the MCU. He made these really gory and campy horror movies, and then all of a sudden, Marvel's like, "Hey, you want to make uh, you want to make a comic book movie with us?" And yeah. I went, "James Gunn." Him? He had done. Have you seen Super with Rain Wilson? Well, it's in the helmet. Yes, but have you seen it already? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, now listen. That is not an MCU for, movie, <laughs> right? But right for and for the most part, I like that movie. There's yeah, just one scene. 
Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But you know, he's a really talented storyteller. You see sure. that. I'm look. I'm going to look forward to when we do review Super. I'm going to look forward to that. I enjoyed that movie. Um, he's a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal storyteller. So he writes this. He obviously directs it. Mm-hmm. He also writes yep. it. Um, there's another writer credited, a woman by the name of Nicole Perlman. Now she gets uh-huh. re- credit for the stories, not the screenplays, of this, as well as Captain Marvel and Detective Pikachu. I loved De- De- Detective Pikachu. That was I a lot of fun. Didn't want to. I didn't want to love it as much as I did. About yeah. halfway through, I was like, oh, "Damn it!" Do you know? I meant to look this up this afternoon, and I for, and I didn't. Um, so, what is the difference between a story credit and a screenplay credit? Story credit is basically breaking down the story of the whole, like the each of the acts, maybe some dialogue here and there to get from scene to scene. Screenplay is literally being like interior, like the beginning of this movie, Got interior, it. a hospital in this year. There sits a young boy, Peter Quill, play, you know, it would explain everything. Uh, there's it, a really it, great um, website on, on uh, they show their stuff on Facebook and I watched, it was the, um, wait, did you finish Breaking Bad? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's the pack your bags hmm. scene and it shows the dialogue. It's really cool to see like. How invested um, uh, Walter White, uh, Brian Cranston, yeah. and the I'm never going to remember her name, the woman who plays Skyler. Yep. Um, the two of them, like you see the dialogue they're supposed to say, and like, okay, you've got it all in there, but it's not exact, but it feels more natural what than what is on the page. Got it. So, but it shows like it shows all the um, the sta- the stage direction stuff. Got that's screenplay. So that's, screenplay. So that's what James Gunn did. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, so again, she, so this is her first significant credit. She had a short, she directed a short, she got some, uh, producer credits, but she does this, she does Captain Marvel, she does Detective Pikachu, but it's, this is really James Mm -hmm. Gunn. Super happy, of course, that he's coming back to Disney for Guardians 3. I was worried about that. After he was, air quotes, fired. Yep, 100%. Um, I think he was just fired to appease everybody. And they're like, so you're, you're, you're fired, but... You're gonna come back. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that one felt and you know the worst well, I think we've talked about before. In my opinion, it that was dumb because, and this is my personal opinion, <coughs> excuse me. Not speaking on behalf of the Superpod Hero Pass, Superpod Hero Cast, speaking for myself. I think that was a mm-hmm. dumb move. These were things he had not hidden. He had acknowledged them, spoken what I thought was very sincerely and introspectively about them in the past. He had spoken with regret that he regretted saying those things. He was trying to be edgy and funny. And it happened during this movie. The stuff came out during this movie, too. And we all just went, hey, he apologized. Good. You know why it became such a big deal? Uh, Yes. Because he started making fun of 45. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and they got and they they couldn't dox him. So they did the next best, best thing. Yeah. I. I hope it hasn't permanently damaged his relationship with Marvel Studios because I like James mm. Gunn as part of the creators of the MCU. No, because he was there for the uh, the director's roundtable that they did. Oh, was he for the for the tenth? So oh, I'm like, I, I don't. And he's coming back for this he's movie. Coming back. Yeah, and he directed. He didn't direct, but he was like on set and kind of 
kept the guidelines of all of the scenes in Infinity War with, um, with the Guardians. The Guardians. Yeah. So I mean, there's I don't I, like I said. I think it was just a uh, James. We've got to fire you. Air quotes. Like, so they gave him a timeout. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and honestly, it it's all he needs. If if he if if he's apologetic for it, just you know. Who, and and wh- who he was working for at the time, Troma, that's what they're known for, is being vile and gross. So it's just kind of like, he's just working for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think he, you know, he spoke very maturely about it. And mm-hmm. so, I, anyways, happy he's still part of the MCU. But... Um, 100... And he's doing the, uh, the Guardians holiday special. Which is awesome. They're going to film it while they're filming Guardians 3. They're going to film the holiday special. And, yeah, that's crazy. And I think the holiday special comes out before Guardians 3. Gar- the holiday special is December of 22, I think. And December of 21. It's next December. Is it next 21? Okay. And, and Guardians 3 Guardians doesn't 3 have is 22. Yeah. <laughs> or is it it's TBA? Yeah. TBD? Yeah. Um, so just okay. walking through timeline here, because we're, we're talking a little bit. So at this point, you know, far from the beginnings with Iron Man and will there ever be another Marvel movie, uh, obviously right. we're well in phase two at this point. So um, production was in active development as of July 2012. Kevin Feige is at the San Diego Comic-Con. He announces Guardians of the Galaxy. Production's already begun. James Gunn gets hired to write it and direct it in September of 2012, so just a few months later. Then in uh, beginning of 2013, Chris Pratt gets hired to play Star-Lord. You've got some other also cast in a second. Principal <laughs> oh, photography starts in July of 2013. Principal photography ends in October of 2013. And then they spend almost a year, July 7th, 2014, they finish post-production. July 21st, they have a theatrical, they have a Hollywood premiere, and then August 1st is a theatrical release. So you've got some, uh, what I assume is going to be very interesting, almost cast. What do you got? All right. Uh, for for uh, the aforementioned Peter Quill, uh, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Star-Lord, man. Joel Edgerton. Oh, okay. Yep. Eddie Redmayne. No. Mm, mm-mm. Is he gonna? Is he gonna whisper all of his lines? And then How would? Yeah. Okay. There's a scene where, <laughs> when when Peter's getting like in processed at the kiln, my note uh-huh. is like, "Holy shit, Chris Pratt is jacked." Eddie Ran- Eddie yeah. Redmayne would not have been able to do that. Well, I, I assume much like Chris had to lose all that weight, Eddie would have bulked up. Would have had to find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jensen Eccles. I feel like from I Supernatural. Know. Oh, okay, yep. The short-haired guy from, and he's going to be um, uh, uh, Homelander's sidekick in season three of The oh, Boys. Oh, can't wait for that. M- minus one very disgusting, well, not oh yes, vile backstory that's not going to be there. Uh, I saw a blurb about that. I haven't got to that point in the comics yet, so I'm going to hold off, and <laughs> I'll tell mm-hmm. you after I read it. I got the trade. Oh, I know what it is, and it's. I'm glad they're leaving it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll check. Uh, back, I'll check back in with you after I read it. Lee Pace. Oh, okay. Who would go on to be obviously sure. grown in the accuser, which, which um, is at this point a very common thing with Marvel Studios, right? We like somebody not right for this role, we'll but find let's, something else. From, yeah. Yep. And I think this is the first time it's been in the same movie. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Because oh, well, that's true. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. And uh, here at a villain, same idea. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, Casey. Um, <laughs> Wes Bentley. Again, a name I feel like I should know. Uh, he, he really likes trash bags. Wes Bentley. The, he's the he's the kid in um, American Beauty. Oh, oh, that kid, I don't, the, I don't the know villain in Ghost Rider. Oh, I don't like him. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh my he has god, a, he, he is the villain had, in Ghost Rider. He has a very punchable face. To quote oh. the name of Colin or the title of Colin Joe's book. He's a great bad guy. He he just looks like a douche. That's a yeah. I forgot Ghost Rider until this moment. Okay, um, Jesus, please, I don't want to pull that tonight. <laughs> uh, Jack Houston, don't know who Jack Houston is. Yeah, um, Cam Gigadet, I don't know who that is. Uh, Sullivan Stapleton. Here's one: Logan Marshall Green. Now, do you know who Logan Marshall Green is? No. He is Shocker 1 in um, uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. Oh, no kidding. The Okay. The guy that looks exactly like Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in a movie called Upgrade, which if you haven't seen, that's the Venom movie we should have gotten. Really? Upgrade? Yes. Upgrade is fucking fantastic. And and especially seeing that before Venom, I'm like, but I already saw the Venom movie. Oh yeah, it's this called guy. Upgrade, and it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Garrett Hudlin. Oh yeah, we've seen him in other stuff. Other yeah. stuff, yeah. Uh, or he's been Chris considered Lowell. for other stuff. Yeah. Now this is an interesting one. James Marsden, Cyclops. I don't. I think that's that's going to be a no I, for me, dog. I, I think he's a little old for it. Uh, you know, it's more that. Uh, now I feel he's a like good actor. He's just been he's in a, such crap listen, movies lately. A, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what? I, he's a good actor. Cyclops. The character of Cyclops is so stiff. I have a hard time uh-huh. picturing him as not that. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like the. Um, Kristen Stewart is not a bad actress. She was directed to act that way in Twilight. But yeah, yeah. Did you guys watch The Happiest Season? No. On Hulu? <gasps> oh, watch The Happiest Season. It's uh, Kristen Stewart and uh, Mackenzie F- Phillips. Is that her last name? From Halt and Catch Fire. And uh, she was also in San Juniper, the uh, the only Black Mirror episode with a happy ending. Oh, you don't watch Black Mirror. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Uh, Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Davis. Oh, it's just wonderful. Oh, it's so, I, okay. So I know good. who she is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's in it's Terminator really, Dark Fate. She's. Oh, that's right. She's the Terminator she's that the, comes yeah, back. Yeah, right? yeah, Ooh. yeah. Spoilers, but not really because it's in the fucking trailer. Exactly. Right. Um, uh, Jim Sturgis. A name. Did you see I've... Across the Universe? No. Then you probably don't know who Jim Sturgis is. He's been uh, in some independent stuff. But that was his big thing was it, across yeah. the universe. Across the universe one day, twenty one. Oh, he was in Cloud Atlas, if you if you could make sense of that movie. <laughs> uh uh Mr. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Now Ooh, okay. here's one I want to see the at least screen test of because I yeah. think he's got it in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. definitely good. Aaron Paul. No. 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 I Aaron Paul I'm is a Star-Lord, fantastic bitch. actor. 
He is not this character. <laughs> he is not. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, okay. Yep. Who we will get, we'll get in. in the next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Krasinski. Could we just, can we fucking get John can we Krasinski get him in as the Mr. MCU? Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, please. Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Please. I just, I'm going to be sad if they don't announce him. Truly, alongside his wife, like they need to hire the two of them. They need to hire the, the yeah. a quiet place. The only thing that I'm not excited about Quiet Place Two is that he's not in it. Oh, he is. Oh, is it a flashback or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's in it. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, oh wait, Glenn hold Howerton. on, hold on, hold on. Jim Sturgis is in Geostorm. Is he in Geostorm? He is in. Oh, Geostorm. right. He's Gerard Butler's brother. He's in Geostorm. Did uh, you see that Gerard Butler is doing another uh, The World is Being Destroyed movie? Yes. Greenland? I'm like, Gerard, how many of these shit movies are you going to get sucked into? Apparently all of them. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so, uh, and lastly, Glenn Howerton from Always from Sunny Always Philadelphia. Sunny. Okay. So of that list, the only, I'm with you, the only one I want to see is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, then uh, you and James Gunn will have a fun conversation because uh, Glenn Howerton was his second choice. Really? I mean, yep. he's funny. He's got the smart. He Look, he's got the smart. I've never thing. seen him do anything uh, dramatic. Yeah. Uh, There's some real heart to this character. You know what I'm watching this week, though, which I'm really excited about because it's out on. You can watch on demand. Arch Enemy with Joe Manganiello. Glenn Howerton is the bad guy. Manganiello. Manganiello, yeah. And yeah, so Glenn, and Glenn Howerton's a bad guy. <laughs> For Rocket. Now, oh, again, boy. there's only one on this list that I want to hear. Okay. A two, sorry. Uh, Adam Sandler. No. No. I don't, I don't want to hear, oh, I'm Rocket Raccoon. Exactly. I don't, don't want to hear that shit. Yep. Um, uh, or doing his thing, his voice from Uncut Gems. I don't, I don't want that either. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great. I actually don't want uncut gems in my life. See, I love that movie, but okay. But okay. We disagree. Ugh. That's all right. Charlto Copley. Oh, okay. Interesting. He's an interesting performer. I think, cause I think, I, I think, and I think there, some of these are going for voice, like having him do his South African accent would add an interesting layer to this sure, to raccoon. Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, Jim Carrey, because he oh, does voices. No, oh, thank God. No, 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 but I'm saying that's probably yeah. oh, why. No, 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 Here are the no, two yeah. that I want. Here's the two I want. Yep. Just to hear like them dubbing over some of it. David Tennant, because I want a Scottish raccoon in my life. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm going to get raccoon. Well, I feel like that would have really tapped into his anger really well. Like, I feel like the, the Scottish accent would work well there. And uh, H. John Benjamin. Archer. Oh, yeah. yeah, hey, they, yeah. I'm, well, I'm clearly. Rocket. I'm, uh, uh, I'm here to, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't have an H. Yeah. John Benjamin. So I would, I would, I would listen to both of those. I would else, mm-hmm. I would actually also be interested with Charles, uh, Charles, Copley, because I think he's a really interesting <laughs> performer. So I'd be interested yes. with what he did with the character, you know, but I got to say this again, I mean, when they announced the team, I was like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know. Um, and yep. then when they said Bradley Cooper, I was like, wait, what? But 
oh my God, now can you imagine anyone other than him as Rocket? No, it's it's no, but but again, asterisk. I want to hear. Um, I want to hear David Tennant and H. John Benjamin's yeah. uh, audition tapes. Out please. of curiosity, a hundred percent. But oh my god, like I don't. No, Rocket. I don't want to replace Bradley yeah, at all. Yeah, but yeah. I just I want to hear it, just because I'm sure it's delightful. Agree. Uh, before being cast as Yondu, Michael Rooker uh, expressed interest in Rocket Raccoon. Now, that I would want to also hear. Yeah, yeah, boy, because he's got just such a great voice. Yeah, I mean, um, he he's so wonderful, and we so longtime James Gunn collaborator and friend, right? He's oh yeah, in everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's so wonderful. In um, he's great in this one, but oh my god, what we get in the next movie with Yondu? Huh? Oh. You Sorry. shut your right. fucking mouth. Listen, listen. If you haven't watched it, I, I can't cut you yourself. off because this is your part <laughs> of the right. edit. But that's I'm just right. going to tell you to shut <laughs> up right. now. That's right. Um, for Gamora, yes. Olivia Wilde turned down the role. Really? Okay. We could have her in somewhere else. She's 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 a great actor, but Yeah, oh yeah. Uh Gina Carano. Okay. <laughs> Disney got her for something Eventually, else. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, she's not as good of an actor, but yes, agree. Now, I think this one is simply because of something else she did. Rachel Nichols. You don't know the name, but Rachel Nichols is the Orion that uh, Kirk makes out with in Uhura's, which is interesting because who played Uhura in the J.J. Uh, Abrams <laughs> Star Trek movies? None other than the Gamora in this movie. Yeah. Um, and Orions have green skin. Uh, <laughs> I think they're like, ah, she looks good green. Let's have her in. See Wait, what isn't she, she a journalist? Rachel Nichols? And I see. H O L S. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, she's a sports journalist, television host for ESPN, sports record reporter and anchor. Who the fuck am I thinking of? Can you go to Star Trek? JJ Abrams Star Trek. I thought there was yeah. a Rachel Nichols in there too. The first one, right? Yeesh. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, vaguely. Um, Star Trek. Okay, hold on. Okay, cast. Rachel Nichols. Hold on. Oh, it's a different. So it's a different. Th- Rachel Nichols is an actress. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. There, so there's it, also, it is this woman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's also a journalist who's an, uh, a sports journalist. Name. Yeah. Who Who's a, also a smoke show and could have <laughs> been that person as well. So, okay. Um, and uh, uh, Adrian Palicki. Was oh, yeah. audition for Mockingbird sure. Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. And lastly, she was only considered. I don't know if she ever read or anything. Uh, uh, Newton. Okay. Yeah. No. Cool. I mean, no. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, if, if this movie had been made ten years prior or fifteen years prior, yes. Like I, I, and I, the, she, you oh. know, I, I can see. <laughs> I, I can see what they were going for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Gunn confirmed in May 2013 that Hugh Laurie, Alan Rickman, and Ken Watanabe were being looked at for a role other than Ronan or Corsman Day, which I believe Corsman Day is uh, Peter Serafinowicz. No, Corsman is Day it, is uh, John C. Is Reilly. that John C. Riley? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember which one was which. Yeah. 
Um, given that Ronan and each of the Guardians were already cast, it is possible they were being considered for the role of Thanos. Hmm. Alan okay. Rickman as oh. the voice of Thanos. <laughs> I'm going to collect all yeah, the yeah, Infinity see, Stones. It, it, it would be distinctive, but yeah. I mean, again, it would be so good. Or Josh Brolin, <laughs> just so distinct. Sure, Joe again, embodies, we, yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, also, it's interesting. we would have had to, sadly, we would have had to recast. Sure, sure, sure. Because he doesn't survive, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Gal Gadot revealed that she was up for the role of Nebula before it went to Karen Gillum. Interesting. And and lastly, uh, Jaiman Hunsu uh, auditioned for the role of Drax. Ended oh. up being Korath. Uh, Korath. Korath. Thank you. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. think of the name. Yep. And that's all I got for Almost Casts. Okay. Uh, so that will bring us to the money. Um, now, this one, so this this movie goes over budget as they're filming. Um, a few years <laughs> no ago. Shit. Yeah. A few years ago, Disney revealed how much it went over. Uh, looks like, but but depending on, depending on, now again, hard to, you know, Budgets are always estimates, right? Like it's, you know, it's hard to put numbers on that. But depending on where your sources are, it looks like this goes over budget anywhere from 40 to $50 million over budget. So a Ugh. few years ago in 2015, Disney shared that the their, you know, final count for what the budget ended up, what they ended up spending was $232 million. Um, yeah. Now this gets a box office. This has a worldwide box office gross of seven hundred seventy-two million, which is like a three to one, you know, better than a three to one ratio. So it's a it's a mm-hmm. financial smashing success. Um, it's it doesn't break the box office total for the first Avengers movie, which was north of a billion dollars, uh, but it mm-hmm. was the highest grossing superhero movie of twenty fourteen. It beat out Winter Soldier. It beat out X Men: Days of Future Past. It beat out the Amazing Spider-Man Two. <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. Um, it was well, one out of three of those is impressive. <laughs> one out, exactly. It is the third highest grossing film of 2014. After check these out, and here, pretty good indicators. Neither of these, in my opinion, stand at the test of time. And actually, I didn't see either of them, and I don't care. The number one movie that year was Transformers: Age of Extinction. Didn't watch oh, it. Oh, what a shit show! Oh God. The number two <laughs> highest gross. Oh, good. I was gonna say that may have been the la- the last one that I was like, "Come on, you can do it." <laughs> is that the one where Mark Wahlberg takes over for maybe. Shia LaBeouf? I don't know. Yeah, I I think maybe I don't know. I can't okay. remember. I I remember the the last one they did. My mother in law wanted to watch it, and yeah. she's like, "Well, watch it with me." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I'll watch good it with you." And I just hate watched the book. From beginning to end. So that was the Transformers was the number one highest grossing movie of the of that year. This number two was The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. I didn't even see that one, and I don't care. Like the the I, only the only part of that that I saw was someone went and th- went through and took all three of those incredibly bloated movies, yeah. and turned them into one three and a half hour. Oh, see, I'd watch that. I can't remember what it's called, but I was like, oh, but unfortunately, like, because some of it doesn't connect, like, they're running and all of a sudden, like, they're someplace completely different. I'm like, that's right. That's right. The that's fuck right. just happened? Did we jump movies? 
That's right. That's right. All right. And then finally, um, we always end our production conversation with uh, the tail of the tape in terms of the score. Do you want to make a mm-hmm. guess at what the IMDb score for this movie is? Well, I just finished editing uh, Winter Soldier, <laughs> so, you remember? so I remember it yeah. being low. It's like in the the, the eights? Eight out of ten. Yeah. Eight that feels zero. a little low. It's a little low. Agree. Agree. Um, All right. So I think, boy, that feels like it might be time to... Uh... Roll that music. Roll that music. The yeah, fuck? That, yeah. <laughs> I'm you you want to try right, a different... clap. Yeah. No, we're gonna keep it. And right. please keep in me going. Well, you know, if there the if there fuck? was any movie that we would talk about rolling the music, this is it. And it's gonna we're gonna start out with the song. So that's perfect. We open on Earth, nineteen eighty eight. Thank you for title cards. Right, right. We see a Walkman, which of course, if you're old enough, you remember that. Um, you see I'm, the tape. I'm probably the last well, generation that remembers it. The fact that the, it's a cassette tape, right? Like that you'd write on. I mean, right? that says something. But then, like the sounds of "I'm Not in Love" by 10CC comes up, and I started smiling. That continues through the whole movie. I'll just say it now, right. and I won't keep saying it. Every bit of music placement is perfect. Well, and also you can look at the fact that every single one of these songs. Whether very very bluntly like this, I'm not in love. Peter won't take her mo- his mother's sure. hand, uh, not show her love. To later, there are songs where you have to look at like the subtitle of it to go. Oh, that's why this is playing during this scene. Whoa, I think I think that I'm not in love. I'm not in love. Is it's a person trying to tell himself he's trying to convince himself that he's not in love. It's Peter's. Yeah, and that's exactly what Peter's yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, Peter Peter has Peter has shut down. Mom's dying. I have nothing to he, give here. And he's able to do that. So, you know, outside the hospital room, his mother's dying, and it's not a pretty death, right? Like she has no hair. She is gaunt. The makeup is really good. You've got. I mean, she looks really good for being alive in 1943. Also, I'm sorry. What? Do you not know that she is also in Captain America: The First Avenger? That actress? Uh-huh. No. Uh, Meredith Quill. Yes, Laura I, Haddock. Oh, what? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Who is who the fuck is she? She is not the one not not um Natalie Dormer, but the other uh army person who talks to him in that montage. Come on, seriously? Captain seriously, America seriously. autograph seeker. Come on, no shit. That's funny. Okay. Well, well, well done. Nice deep cut there. Well done, Casey. Yeah. Well, nice deep cut Marvel yeah. to bring <laughs> yeah, her back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that opening scene is so tight, right? Peter's brought into his mother's bedside. She's dying, and it is it does not look like a smooth and seamless or graceful death, right? Um, no. And it, it the, the grandfather, uh, who is a wonderful character actor, who I cannot remember the name of right yeah. now, is... You you get everything that that character has gone through in like the first twenty seconds when he's like, "Come on, Pete, take these full things off." Here, let me put this in your backpack, like I always do, and then having to remind Meredith. Man, you got a present there for Peter, don't you? He is he is a man who is done. He's an absolute that guy actor. 
His name is Greg Henry. If you've seen him in something, no shit, you've seen him in like a bazillion things. You want to take a guess at how many IMDb actor credits he has? He's got to be almost, almost or around 200. 175. Good for you. Absolutely. He's got, in my mind, two key roles. So he is the he is the guy that Mel Gibson is chasing in Payback, which is a wonderful remake. Oh, that's He's right. Val yes. Resnick. He's right, the guy who betrays uh-huh. Mel Gibson. And then, and listen, I grew up in an era, we didn't have the internet. If if a 14-year-old kid wanted to see boobs, you had to wait for Cinemax. He is also oh, no. The antagonist in Body Double with Melanie Griffith from 1984. Are you familiar with that movie? I'm familiar. I've never seen it. Uh, it's a good movie. It's it's actually I've, it's actually a very it's actually a very. I'm sorry. He's not the he's not the antagonist. I'm sorry. He is the protagonist in Body Double. No, wait. wait. Oh boy, are you just remembering boobs right now? And now you can't think of anything else. I'm remembering Melanie Griffith's boobs. Yes, I'm sorry. He is the antagonist <laughs> in Body Double, which is actually a really clever interesting movie that also has some wonderful nudity if you're you know a teenager you know i was 13 when body double came out i saw it on cinemax oh boy. you know a couple of years later uh craig wasson who's another that guy actor uh yeah so anyways he's in dream what, warriors was this guy was this guy also in slither yes yes greg henry okay. was he was the slither. sheriff of the town right yeah you've seen slither right i have not actually it's Oh, he's. It goes some places. <laughs> did you see Teen Titans: The Judas Contract on video? Yes. He, oh, he's, right. He's Slade Wilson. No, he's he's Sebastian Blood and Brother Blood. Who's Slade Wilson in that? They got somebody good because for a while it was Thomas Gibson and it was awful. Uh, Slade Wilson is stand by one. Miguel Ferrer, the vice president in Iron Man Three. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got a good voice for that. Well, I can see he that. Had a good voice. Oh, he had, that's right, that's right, uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. This scene, so, so good, so tight. And you get so and much information. I mean, this movie, Winter Soldier, I'm not taking a dig at it, is a slow burn. Yeah, I agree. In the best way yes. possible. It is a slow burn that I love. This movie is just like, <laughs> but I love it too. It, it can be a slow burn because they've set up things over multiple movies, this one can't afford that, right? Like, it's got to get us right at the beginning if we're going to care about these characters. And holy holy cow, you do. But it never feels rushed or forced, you know, like mm-hmm. it, in, in the sure. next Marvel movie we watch, Age of Ultron, the inclusion of the Infinity Stones in that feels like uh, Kevin Feige was like, so we have, to, uh, we have to include the Infinity Stones in this movie because we're getting really close to doing Infinity War. So, uh if you could explain all the rest of the Infinity Stones in this movie, that'd be great. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, you're right. There's a lot in this scene that's important, right? So we get a hint. For, so Meredith is Peter's uh-huh. mom. She refers to Peter's father. And he was an angel. Composed out of pure light. That'll be important. She gives him a little wrapped present. You open it up when I'm gone, okay? His grandpa puts it in his backpack. Oh. She reaches for his hand. Take my hand. So you're right. The song here, I'm Not in Love, is about a person trying Peter. to convince themselves that they're not in love. They actually are. Hey, come on. Peter is able to do that long enough to reject his mother's hand, but it's literally like a split second. And as 
his mother and his grandfather and the rest of the family are basically all like, Peter, take her hand. She passes and immediately, it's like that split second, like three seconds earlier, nope, he was, you know, he had compartmentalized those feelings. He didn't care. And then you see this kid realize and his heartbreak on screen. No, 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 With me. No, no. Got to stay here. Please. Like I said earlier, I don't remember if it was when we were, were uh, recording. I watched this at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I'm, "It's too early yeah. to be crying. What are we doing here?" Because I definitely, that got, I teared up a couple and it times. Just happened. I don't know. I'm almost. I'm. I'm yeah. going to be forty next year. I'm getting to that age where just you just cry, and you're just like, "This is happening now. There's nothing I can do." Lord, but how amazing for James Gunn to do that in that yeah. first scene. So Peter's day goes from uh, bad to worse as he runs out of the hospital and is suddenly abducted. (laughs) And I don't mean, like, by bandits. He is abducted by fucking aliens. By a tractor beam, yeah. And we get the Marvel logo and the theme music. Very interesting. This is one of only two, which the other one is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, that has title cards. All the rest of the movies, you'll get, you know, the name of the movie maybe... But the names of everybody and all that stuff is only in Guardians 1 and 2. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's interesting. That must be James Gunn's preference. It, it, yeah. it, uh, is it up to the director? or the, It's got to be the director. But it, It's got to be. But the Writers Guild could be a part of it, too. I'm going to say it's a, a, a DGA rules on how – what. oh, it is because that's why um, Lucas isn't part of the DGA. Because he didn't want to have them in front of Star Wars, and they said you can't have them. He goes, "Well, well, uh, then I'll I'll just quit and um, make my little independent movie and take my <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah, from mer- merchandising." Yeah. All right. Twenty six years later, Morag abandoned planet. This is the Indiana Jones sequence. One thousand. This is why when they were talking about making Indy Five, everyone's like, "And it's Chris Pratt, y- yes. right?" Because he's Indiana Jones. <laughs> This is the scene where I was like, oh, yeah, I'd watch that, 100%. Mm-hmm. Young, younger indie, oh, yeah, I'd watch that, sure, sure. It's really like he's a, you know, grave robber, thief, scavenger. The planet is abandoned. So we get in the, t- in the graphic, it tells us this is an abandoned planet, and it looks that way. Sure. We see the glowing red eyes of what we'll recognize as Star-Lord's mask. Mm-hmm. He makes his way through this fog, this wet wasteland, and then he does, like, the Iron Man 3 wireframe model of what that world looked like before uh-huh. right and it's a thriving metropolis he looks we've got this big massive ruined building we see it in it's what it would have been splendor he goes up to it we see james gunn's actual dog oh is that his yeah, dog? that's his dog I'm like, oh you put your dog in the movie you're adorable bastard cool. you now star lord peter quill unmasks he takes his walkman out and hits play, and we get our next sound and song in the soundtrack. Come and get your love. Oh my God! By Redbone. Yeah, I did know. I knew this um, song uh, ahead of time. This one and Hooked on the Feeling were sure. the two that, just because Hooked on the Feeling has been used for commercials and a ton of other stuff, but now I associate it with this movie. Yeah, it's now it's now a Guardians mu- music. Absolutely, he's dancing around this ruin like an idiot, he's grabbing these little rat lizard things. Using them as microphones. Now, did you notice in that shot where it kind of spins around him, 
Did you see those two figures hiding behind rocks over in the back? It was really interesting. Mm -mm. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Careful, Casey. That's a spoiler. We saw one one aspect of Peter's worldview in the opening. We see an entirely different one here. Yeah, and it's there's no dialogue, but we we've learned a lot about Peter in just a few moments. We also learned that Peter can turn on and off his silliness because he's you know using the the rat lizard thing as a microphone. But as soon as he gets to the door that he needs to, you see it on his face. He's like, oh, it's game time. It's time to pay attention again. That's the perfect way to frame it. Yeah, one hundred percent. So he he unlocks this door. There's this orb floating inside a glowing what's a, whatever. It it's the golden idol. It's the golden idol from. Um, it's a hundred percent. It's yeah. the same idea. And instead of having to do sandbags, he's got like almost these things that create like an enorm like the pull of a sun energy on them. Uh, yep. And it pulls the uh, this orb through. And he's, you know, all excited. And then in busts uh, Korath and what are the the, the Necro pilots? Necro, uh, ne- necro troops. Ne- yeah, sure. The, they're part of the Necro Corps. Yeah, let's let's go with that. And they're yeah. gonna arrest him. And they're asking him his name. And we have the iconic. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star Lord. Who? <laughs> Come on, man, Star Lord! Come on, just man. what what a wonderful bit of humor to 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 get us ready for the next action sequence that we're about to get. Yeah. So first fight is fun, right? So Korath and these Necro Troopers. Which, by the way, did you watch the deleted scenes? I have before. There's a the deleted scene where one of them talks. It's creepy. It's creepier uh, for him talking. I don't remember that, and I'm gonna pretend that never happened. The deleted scene is, it's actually the scene where Gamora basically defects and leaves Ronan's service. Uh-huh. Well, one of the Necro Troopers talks, and it's it's disturbing. Corset for Xander, milady. And might I say, it is an honor to be serving with Ronan's hand herself. My brothers and I look forward to a triumph. So in the theatrical cut, they don't speak ever. And it's better that way because when he speaks in this deleted scene, is a little creepy. Uh, but it's a fun fight. Peter does not appear to have any superpowers. He's got a lot of gadgets. Sure. He is very adept at using those gadgets mm-hmm. in creative ways, right? Like, you know, he gets knocked to the ground. Korath blows a hole in the wall behind him. He triggers his rocket boots to go basically sliding on his back to get out of the building. So cool. Um, it's a really clever and interesting fight right he's he's got gadgets that do a variety of things he's got these gravity fields all kinds of grenades mm-hmm. manages to evade all of korath's troops makes his way to his ship which we will learn later is called the milano sure is almost escapes before a water spout douses his engines he does the old restart the engine in time he makes his way off planet and as he takes a breath, Peter. a red-skinned woman pops up from the hold of the ship. What happened? A pink-skinned woman? That's not red. Pink? Red? Red. Oh, it, okay. No. He's not sure. It's not red. Oh, sure. Reddish. Oh. Sure. <laughs> yes, reddish. Okay. Look, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I forgot you're here. How do you How do you forget? <laughs> oh, that basically... Your one night stand from last night that you brought back to your ship, you took her on the heist with you. That's what that's what he did. 
and it's fucking hilarious. What a ding dong. <laughs> so instead of just dropping her off at some planet, she seems to be along for a bit of this ride. Yeah. And right. uh, he, he, Peter's iPad starts ringing for FaceTime, and uh, she uh, accepts that call. Peter, you have calls. No, we don't. Quill. And we are introduced to the wonderful Michael Rooker playing Yondu. There's another song playing here, so you know soundtrack song. Go all the way. Oh, real quick. Yes. We also hear oh, as the be- as the bean used to sing when well, we listened to this in the car. Don't go away. And I'm like, I'm okay with you don't singing that instead of go all the way. way. Yeah, that's funny. Um, we also hear. I think is important. We also hear the equivalent of a space radio. Scattered riots broke out across the Kree Empire today, protesting the recent peace treaty signed by the Kree Emperor and Xandar's Nova Prime. You know, the Kree, other than Ronan and one Kree commander that that Nova Prime will talk to via video call, the Kree really go silent until, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or um, silent until really Captain Marvel, right? Yep, we don't, in fact, we see Ronan again in Captain Marvel. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in this case, yeah, so Ronan is a blue-skinned Kree. In the comics, there were Kree with different colors. Many of them, I, I think it just got easier for them to just draw them like humans. They look like humans, essentially. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so that video call comes in, which the the one-night stand picks up, and Peter is not happy because it's his dad. I'm here on Morag. Ain't no orb, ain't no you. Well, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd save you the hassle. Well, where you at now, boy? I feel really bad about this, but I'm not going to tell you that. And a, a running joke in the movie was... When I picked you up on Terra, these up. boys of mine wanted to eat you. Yeah. They ain't never tasted any Terran before. I stopped them. You're alive because of me. Delivered in the way that only Michael Rooker... So you're right. The Yondu in the original comics is not the hillbilly that Yondu is in the MCU. No, the Yondu in the original comics is a indigenous person type character and it's really really offensive yeah yeah but holy cow with what michael rooker does like how could you picture anyone else bringing to life the character the way that michael rooker does i can't <laughs> and it's clear that yandu and peter have had a falling out mm-hmm. and in fact yandu was going to morag to recover the orb because they were being paid to retrieve it yeah peter got there first and yandu's not happy so the call ends. Yandu's with a, a number of other Ravagers, and he vows to kill Peter and get the orb back. Put a bounty on him. 40K, but I want him back alive. Which everyone thinks is like a shit ton of money. Yeah, because Rocket is going to go after Peter in a minute because of that bounty. And when he sees the 40,000 units, Rocket's like, oh shit, it's on. So yeah. it, it obviously money is... It, our money doesn't work the same as units because if you're that excited about 40,000 units, they've got to be shitting themselves when they get the bounty of something that we'll talk about in a minute of 4 billion units. No, I think think they're intentionally picking a scale that makes sense to us. I think we could picture them as dollars. So to retrieve one guy, you bring... You bring oh, Star Lord back to Yandu. You forty thousand dollars. Forty thousand dollars. Holy shit! That could be a year, but four billion. What wouldn't you do for that? Right. That's true. So after this little conversation uh, up with the bounty, we're introduced to the very terrifying 
uh, Ronan the Accuser, who apparently sleeps in the blood of the Xandarians, <laughs> okay. or whatever the fuck they're called. Yes. So his warship is called the, the Dark Aster, which Aster is another word for star, so the Dark Star. But, like, looking at that ship, you're like... Oh well, that's a fucking bad guy's ship. There's, you know, that you don't you don't look at that ship and you're and you're like, oh, they're on a peaceful scientific exploration mission. No, fuck that. That's a warship, mm-hmm. and it's the bad guys. It's pretty much like in the just because we're doing a sci-fi movie, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. When you saw Romulan yeah. War- Warbird for the first time, you went, oh, those are the bad guys. Got it. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. They are not selling Girl Scout cookies. One hundred percent. Now, we heard on the radio that the Kree Empire had send, signed a peace treaty with Xandar, but Ronan, the accuser, <laughs> straight out of the comic books, will not accept this. The Kree have been at war with Xandar for a thousand years. He's essentially a crusader. He's a holy fanatic. Absolutely. My government knows no shame. You Xandarians and your culture are a disease. Um, he has a Xandarian prisoner. Will never rule Xander. No. I will cure it. Who he executes with his? It's like a maul. It's like a two-handed hammer staff thing. Um, and it, to your point, the guy's blood seems to fill the little blood trough things that do some ritual thing. If you were on the fence at all, Ronan is the bad guy. There's no doubt about it. Ronan sends uh, was is going to send Nebula, and yep. Gamora's like, "Hey, I can do it better." <laughs> yeah, and it's you know again. There's a now there's a deleted scene that that I think the name of the deleted scene is uh, I just mentioned was it sister sisterly love, which really establishes the the rivalry between mm-hmm. Nebula and Gamora. Yeah, by pulling that deleted scene out, it's fine. It doesn't hurt the movie, but it's but you can see. They backfilled it in the later movies where we get more of the detail about why they're, why Nebula hates her, loves slashes, slash hates her sister so much. So next we are introduced to the planet Sandar, a binary star system by that beautiful, like, I think a lot of the Star Wars movies are limited by trying to still feel like the 77 movie. Yeah. Like, this should have been a shot in Star Wars. We should have one time ended up on Tatooine by going by both of the stars <laughs> that work as sons. And they're sure. like, oh, fuck, we're on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's so badass. We could do that now that Disney owns all of it. We totally, you know, actually, yeah. Patton Oswalt's rant from Parks and Rec could totally be a thing. Oh, God. Wait, which version? The one that they aired or the nine-minute one? The nine-minute one, which is a oh fucking mass epic nerd masterclass. Yeah. We're not going to drop it in the episode, but do yourself a favor, li- TSPHC oh. Army. Go listen to the uncut version. Yeah. And know that which- you just go. If you ever had the question of whether or not Patton Oswalt is a giant fucking nerd, this is your answer. And the answer is equivocally yes. Fuck Yes. That's a, it's an ad lib as well. And uh huh. Yeah. It, to, it's fucking, yeah. Yeah. We can't, we literally cannot drop it in, but it, you have to go watch it. It's that good. 100%. Well, we could, but we're at an hour and 23 minutes right <laughs> that's now. True. So that's I don't want to drop it okay. in. <laughs> All right. No, that's fair. Uh, and we are introduced to Rocket and Groot. Zandarians. What a bunch of losers. And we get our Stan Lee ca- cameo. As a creepy old man 
that which Rocket points out. Look at Mr. Smiles over here. You like Orange. Where's your wife, old man? What a class A prefer. Fucking funny. Groot has no conception of social norms. He's drinking from a public fountain. Don't drink fountain water, you idiot. That's disgusting. Yes, you did. I just saw you doing it. Why are you lying? Now Rocket IDs Peter the Peter. Um, we we see the bounty of about forty thousand units, and again, that's enough to get Rocket like visibly excited. Like forty thousand units, Groot. We're gonna be rich. Peter takes the orb to a this person who is only known as the broker. He starts talking about how uh, Korath showed up and started talking about a guy named Ronan. Instantly, you see. I'm sorry, Mr. Quill, I truly am. But I want no part of this transaction if Ronan is involved. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Lunchtime, closing the shop. Gotta go. See you later. Yeah, 100%. He's very pissed. He walks outside, and there stands Gamora eating oh. some sort of fruit, but some my kind goodness. of star fruit. Sure. Uh, who cares? It's yeah. wonderful to watch. <laughs> there's, a, there's a delightful little flirtation, and we see how, you know. It's very obvious how Peter forgot that that red or pink. What was what? What are pink. you going with? It's very obvious <laughs> I'm how going Peter with forgot the proper that that color of her pink-skinned woman got on his ship because oh, like he just literally he has this orb to sell to the broker. He now no longer has a buyer, but the second he sees Gamora, he doesn't care. In fact, he's so he's so casual with his flirtation that he's basically tossing the orb in his one hand. And as soon as Gamora sees that, bam, kicks him in the gut, takes the orb, and takes off. Well, there is a theory that the male body only has enough blood to pump to either their brain or their (laughs) penis, and not both at the same time. (laughs) And Peter's not doing anything to disprove that. He is 100% thinking with his dumb stick. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And like when she kicks him and he gets up, he's like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Like you see it on him. Yeah. You know, I love the way that James Gunn can create an action sequence. And this has got great action. Again, we're getting... So it's clear that um, Gamora is incredibly highly Mm -hmm. trained. Again, we see more of Peter's utility. Like, I would say Batman-level comfort with his gadgets. 100%. Like, he doesn't have to think about them. They're instinctive. Um, And then we see Groot trying to help Rocket... And, of course, Groot is always, like, five degrees off. Put him in a bag! No! Not her him! Learn genders, man! But we've got this wonderful three-part chase. Peter and Gamora are both going after the orb. Rocket and Groot are going after Peter. Mm-hmm. Now, it ends with them all being um, basically grabbed by tractor beams and arrested by the Nova Corps. Did you recognize that Here we Nova see- Corps guy that arrests them? No. Did you ever, you never watched ER, did you? Mm, I, I did, for, yeah. Clearly not enough to recognize the guy. He was on the later seasons, like, probably the last half of the show. Okay. So, I don't know, nine seasons he was on. Sharif Atkins. Yeah, he started as, he was an army vet, uh, med, uh, med doctor. Oh, I remember him. Yes, yes. And he ended up uh, for a while dating the uh, uh, Pakistani girl. Oh, he w- there. oh shit. He was on it for eight years, 2001 to 2009. Uh, I, so, so I was pretty close, nine yeah. years. Or, yeah, um, eight, nine. Oh, nine years, one to nine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so the instant he showed him, I'm like, oh, shit, the guy from me. Yeah. 
he's he's a total that guy actor. You've seen him in lots of stuff. I mean, he's got you've seen him in something else. He's yeah, got, uh, he's got forty eight actor credits. But yeah, he, was he on uh, twenty four? Uh, let's see, twenty four. No, no. Okay, no. I'm remembering someone who looks like him. Got it. So yeah, they get arrested, and we also introduced to uh, Mr. John C. Riley, Corman Day. That isn't Star Prince, Star Lord. Oh. Sorry, Lord. I picked this guy up a while back for petty thefts. He's got a code name. <laughs> Come on, man. It's, it's an outlaw name. Let's relax, pal. It's cool to have a code name. It's not that weird. James Gunn, again, I love his ability. And I would say this is something that I'm not, I'm not trashing on DC. I'm talking about something I love in Marvel. I think you have to have those moments of humor and lightness to balance so that when we get heavy or dark, there's a shift there. And that little exchange, yep. it's maybe three or four lines each, maybe two or three each. Delightful. It, but it's so delightful. And they set it up with Korath not recognize him, rec- recognizing him. Corman Day does recognize Peter, but he gets his name wrong. It's funnier the second time because we set it up with Korath. Yeah, it's a great runner. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that no one can either remember his name or they remember yeah. the wrong name. So now we're in Nova HQ. You can tell that the MCU is getting traction in Hollywood because they're starting to get these real actors. <laughs> we're starting to get real actors, Glenn right? fucking close. Glenn fucking close is Nova Prime. Way back, let's see, this was probably 1998. I was in the Air Force. I was a canine handler. I had a bomb dog. You know, I made two trips to the Persian Gulf with my bomb dog. When I wasn't in the Persian Gulf, the, the really cool part of being a bomb dog handler, especially where I was stationed outside of Boston, up in the Northeast, there's not a lot of military bases in the Northeast anymore. So the military provides the bulk of the canine support to the Secret Service. So when I was not deployed in the desert, you know, pretty frequently I was going to support the Secret Service or sometimes the State Department on... Mm-hmm. Uh, protection details, right? The cana- the dogs go into sweep. So I did one in New York City one time for President Clinton. He had like literally one day mm-hmm. on the ground in Manhattan. Um, at the end of the day, I ended up back at the Secret Service, the like the field HQ for the day to turn in my Secret Service gear. And the, the last event was a private... Um, cocktail party at this like upper west side apartment that bill clinton was going to and as i was coming out of the building like having turned in my my secret service radio and stuff i see yeah there's three celebrities i saw there so i saw harvey keitel jeffrey (laughs) rush so they were all going to this cocktail party fundraiser for president clinton harvey keitel jeffrey rush and Glenn Close, she was very short. She's very short. Really? Yeah, she struck me as being, let's see, I'm going to say this now. I I always thought Glenn Close was a rather tall woman. I remember I remember walking past her thinking, she's 5'5". Five five. Yeah, yeah. I wa- wow. Yeah, I walked past her. I was like, oh, my God, she's so short. I'll tell you this. This was, again, 98 or 99. She was born in 47. So at this point, she would have been around 50 stunningly beautiful like i turned my head like oh my god i could not believe how beautiful she was in person it was you remember when we went to see how did this get made the live show do you remember how stunning june looked live Uh glenn close Uh looked like that harvey keitel 
also short, but looked, he just exuded power. Jeffrey Rush. He looked, looked like a fucking linebacker. Jeffrey Rush looked confused. Well, this is what, uh, you said 99 this happened? Uh, 97, 98. Oh, 97. So uh, Shine had just come out. It had just come out. That That's where I knew him. From. I hadn't seen it, but I was like, well, that's the guy from Shine. Yeah. 100%. That's the dude that won an Oscar. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So, so yeah. No, that's fine. So I was like, yeah, I've walked past her in a hallway. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we get the great lineup of all the Guardians. Did you catch... On Rockets, the name of one of his associates? No. Groot, and I believe it's pronounced Lilia, L-Y-L-L-A, his uh, now divorced, but his wife for a long time, who is an otter. Please, can we can we get no way. a Come fucking on. talking otter in these movies? <laughs> can we get a flashback? Right? Oh, oh I want to hear their breakup fight. I, I want to hear and, and see like, their breakup fight. Wait, no, because of course, it if there's an otter anywhere, I'm going to know about it. Oh yeah, right there. Is she just an otter? That's hilarious. She's adorable. Because otters are the cutest animals on the planet. Fight me. <laughs> they totally are. They, no, you're 100 right. Um, let Let's talk <laughs> about the genius of James Gunn for a second. Again, he's taken this team uh-huh. that we don't know, and in a way that does not feel heavy handed at, at all. And in fact, while we're while we're serving the purpose of exposition, giving us all this information, we are entertained by the exchange between Corman Day and the wonderful uh, Peter Serafinowitz as uh, Denarian, which is a, a rank Denarian Saul. I just rewatched. Wait a minute, their names are Day and Saul. Yeah, so. yeah. Day is D E Y. Saul is S A A L. But still, phonetically, or not phonetically. Oh, homo, day and sun. Day, day and sun. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah, that's true. That cannot be an accident. I just watched again with, um, so the goon is a huge horror fan. You know, he'll watch everything I'll let him. Oh, he loves, oh, yes. Uh, yes. So we were flipping channels. I was flipping channels the other night, and Shaun of the Dead was on, and he had seen like a minute of it. And he was like, can we watch that? So we watched that. So it was the middle of the movie when I was flipping channels. I was like, well, listen, you know, I'm a purist. No, you're not going to watch mm-hmm. from here. We got to start. You can't from start the in the middle. No, no, no. Yeah. So we watched that again. And and I was laughing. His, uh, so uh, Pete. Oh, he's Pete. Yeah, he's Pete. Yeah, he's Peter Pete. in Shaun of the Dead. So funny. So funny. Do you know how, why he has that part in Shaun of the Dead? No. He's the voice of Darth Maul in... Episode one of Star Wars. What? At last you... we reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, because we know what uh, Ray Park sounds like in real life. Yeah. At last we reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last yeah. we will have revenge. Yeah. It's 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 the, um, the may he rest in peace. Uh, it's the um, David Prowess problem. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Oh, no. That's that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. It's not his fault, but it's just, yeah. it's not. When when you can have James Earl Jones do your sure. voice. Sure, sure. Listen, if I could have James Earl Jones do my voice. Everything that the light touches <laughs> is your kingdom. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Sarah Fenowitz is in there because uh, Nick Frost and um, uh, Simon Pegg. Thank you. I love, 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 love Star Wars. Sure, 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 sure. 
<laughs> and this and this scene is buttoned with uh, only in a way that Peter Serafinowicz can say it. What a bunch of a holes! Oh, it's so good. So in the trailer for this, when Peter gives the middle finger, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know how this machine worked. A thing comes up that says obscenity coming. I kind of wish yeah. I'd send me- still been there. That's funnier. <laughs> I don't know why it's funnier to me, but it's it is. Yeah, that's funny. Um, what were we just watching? Where? The characters give the the ring finger. What the? F- we were just watching this. What the hell was it? We just finished it. Uh, we were watching something in the wedding singer when when no this Sammy was, flips him well, off. It's the ring finger. Uh, it was uh, I, it was something we watched with at least one of the boys, and they were clearly meaning it like the middle finger, but they used the ring finger. I was like. Is this because they're literally afraid to show middle fingers? Well, you know what it it is over in uh, the UK. It's it's a peace sign turned towards you. Yeah, because he does it in um, he does it in hot fuzz to um, oh right to uh, that's right that's right yeah yeah. (laughs) So we get we get a little glimpse. Everything happens real fast here. It's real fast, but we get a snapshot of the whole team. Uh, well, the, and they are of course sent to some place called the kiln. The kiln. Um, now we've got the smash cut. Uh, Nova Prime is demanding that the Cree stop or at least condemn what Ronan is doing. He is slaughtering children, families. That is your business. Now I have other matters to attend to. And Glenn Close says a bad word. Prick. She does. They get transported to the kiln. Uh, what else? And what place? I would say more than any other song, this is the song that identifies this movie. It's in the trailer. Yeah, it was prominent in the trailer, right? Like, they set it as... And when when that plays in the trailer, I went, all right, we're going in a different direction. Yes, 100%. A fun fun visual moment uh, when they're Mm -hmm. being brought in after they're they're sprayed down, they put on their uh, prison garbs. Yellow jumpsuits, yeah. The guy on the left is miming everything because he hands a uh, blanket to Rocket and then he hands a blanket to Groot. Neither one of them have to take it. So the guy's literally just pretending to grab it, going like this, extending his arm, then going back. It is just a cool thing. Oh, so they must have added the blanket in. Oh, yeah, it's all CG. The The blankets are all CG and everything. Well, well, no, 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 no. Those are, no, that's not true. Uh, Because in the gag reel, you see they had either a child or a dwarf uh, in a in a blue suit as Rocket, and then oh. somebody in a green suit with a headpiece to, to oh, show you where right. Groot's head would be. No, that's right, because, no, Rocket is done by uh, Sean Gunn. J- Sean Gunn, yeah, yeah. Sean Gunn has the, has the best ad lib in this movie. Not in this scene, though. You'll see them walking, and it's not Sean Gunn. It's, it's again, it's either a child or a dwarf. Little person. It's somebody that height. Uh, dwarf is also an acceptable term. I'm, midget is the slur. You can't say midget. It's like saying the N-word. Well, the I, fact that you said the word midget, but you didn't say the N-word means they're not the same. Thank you, right, John sorry. Mulaney. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Such a great... Uh, yeah, no, but that's a sequence where they're just walking, and you no, clearly right. need okay. to establish height. Another thing, real quick, about their, their uniforms, the writing yeah. on their leg. Do you know what that means? It's no. the crimes they've committed. So think back to how far oh. down it goes down Gamora's leg. 
it's like almost to her knee. I'm like, oh, N- well, nice. she is a daughter of Thanos. So, you know, she's described as an assassin, right? And that's that's important. So you just said a second ago, what is so Sean Gunn famously. So Bradley Cooper is the voice of Rocket. Uh huh. But Sean had to say all the lines on set. Yeah. If he's acting with people. Right, it's Sean. Mm-hmm. What is his? You said he has the best ad lib. Uh, what we'll, is that? We'll we'll get to it. Don't oh, we're you not there yet. Fucking okay. worry. Okay, it's it's near yeah, the right. end of the film. And Bradley Cooper has come out and said that Sean's line. I just happened to be saying it. That's awesome. So the kiln sequence is a lot of fun. There's a lot that happens. Couple things I want to point out. So one, uh, James Gunn loves working with his buddies, Michael Rooker, his brother Sean Gunn, Nathan Fillion, another friend. Check out the new meat. Very rapey alien. I'm going to slather you up in Gnabi and jelly. <laughs> Very disturbingly, yeah. Um, I don't like anything that he does to Peter. You know, we'll see him again in Guardians 2 in a movie poster. But I'm telling you, I want him as Wonder Man. He would be... Per- if he did Captain Hammer as... Wonder Man? Simon, Simon Williams. Yeah. yeah. Simon, I mean, that would be fucking brilliant. Or at the very least, can he show up in Guardians 3 as something like it's his actual face? Yeah, yeah. Could he actually, act, yes, act as himself? Because in the in Guardians 2, he's he's, a, just a he's an actor on movie posters. Yeah, uh, yeah. Real quick, do you remember when somebody was talking about how they wanted Mark Hamill in uh, Guardians 3 and... Mark and James had like a conversation on Twitter, pretty much. I remember with James that being happened. like, "Yeah, you can be in Guardians." I'm like, "Is this for real? Is this happening? Uh, Is Mark Hamill going to be in the MCU?" Listen, oh, you know, I won't be. I won't be mad. You'd be hard pressed to find a voice actor with the talent of Mark Hamill. So. It, you know, so I had an overall theme that I wanted to talk about. This is sure. as good of a place as any, visually. This is, in my opinion, the high watermark for the visuals. High watermark for for space. Like, I don't think space looks more beautiful and borderline sexy as it does in this movie. You know, and you know what I was contrasting with, and I should probably, and it's going to be unfair to some extent because of the time frame involved. This is a movie that, that we saw in 3D, in IMAX 3D. We did not see this together, though. We didn't? No, I saw it with Colin. Oh, okay. So this movie's 2014. Five years mm-hmm. prior is Avatar. Now, oh, up until this God point, Avatar was a, was one of the few movies that I said, oh, I'm glad I saw that in 3D. Visually, it was worth it. Now, to be fair, Guardians is five years later, so let me, I'll acknowledge that. But the, the, the way... The way James Gunn uses the the abilities of 3D filmmaking, the depth of field, the depth yeah. of field, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything we see, the beauty, the 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 fact that it's a space movie, so you need you should be able to move in three dimensions, is incredible. Uh-huh. Never does the cinematography, certainly of space, and I would argue, this would be in the. I mean, this would be in the top of best looking MCU movies of all of them. It'd be a contender, sure. but. Uh-huh. Think of how good, like, it's so good we forget Groot and Rocket are CGI characters. There is not a second where they don't look fully real in the world. Yeah, there's only one CGI character that looks like a CGI character in this movie, and we'll be introduced to him in a second. 
Um, Compared to what we get later, going back and watching how he looks in this movie, I was like, ay, ay, ay. I I think I know who you're talking about. Okay. So, again, there's a lot of fun in the kiln scene, right? Rocket's not worried. He plans to escape. He's actually gloating, literally, as they're walking into general population. He's he's on cloud nine. He's like, yeah, I've broken out of worse. We are introduced to, to Drax the Destroyer, and we get his backstory. Ronan murdered my wife, Ovet. Then my daughter, Camaria. He slaughtered them where they stood, and he laughed. Did you notice when Gamora went into her uh, cell? Because everyone is yelling at yeah. her. Everyone, like, she is... Public enemy number She's one the in the kill right now. One hundred percent. Uh huh. The one guy, the real funky looking alien that just slices his throat a couple times to be like, "Yeah, you're dead. You're dead." Yeah. Realize that's the same guy that doesn't understand it later. Like it is paying off that joke. Is that it he really? One hundred percent knows. <laughs> yeah, it's the same alien. I thought Drax. Wait. Peter does it to Drax. Drax doesn't understand. There's an But then he turns to the other aliens like You've seen this, right? You know what that is. Yeah. yeah. Drax gives him really goes. No. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Everyone's asleep. There's a guard that's just like, hey, they've got they've obviously captured Gamora. Mm-hmm. And uh the guard's like, uh, take her to the showers. It'll be easy to clean up the blood. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and right before they're about to kill her, uh, Drax comes in. And is like, oh, this is my kill. Peter and Rocket come in. Peter offers uh, Drax a deal. She betrayed Ronan, and uh, Drax agrees. I like your knife. I'm keeping it. That was my favorite. Knife. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so let's my talk favorite knife. I, I got. I got another broad note. Dave Batista, phenomenal fighter, <laughs> but oh my god, he may be my favorite guardian. First of all, he's funnier than he should be for a guy with that physical ability. Uh-huh. But he's a good actor. I mean, he's the only part of the Blade, Blade Runner, Runner sequel that I liked. He's phenomenal. Um, uh-huh. I thought Stuber was really funny, and he is a large part of that. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good in that, too. Both he and Kamal are really good. I think up next for me is, uh, I think, My Spy. I think I think the goon and I are going to watch that one. Oh, is it not good? Oh, I heard very bad things about it, but I do want to watch it. Listen, I'm going to watch it. I like Dave Batista. Sure. Batista's great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they start the running joke of he is 100% literal. Why would I put my finger on his throat? Oh, my God. I just forgot. There's an almost cast that wasn't on my list. Oh, for Drax. Came down to these two actors for Drax. Joel McHale. <laughs> okay, so I would enjoy seeing his performance of that, but it, he would have had to have been like a CGI character, right? But it's no Batista, and Joel completely admitted they had Batista on Ken Jong and Joel McHale's yeah. semi community podcast that I think is done. They haven't released an episode oh. in like four months with no like, hey, we're going to take a break. It just stopped. But they were talking about Guardians, and uh, Joel's like, uh, you know, the audition for Drax the Destroyer. And both of them kind of started laughing because I'm. 100% serious. <laughs> he is physically, he's a really tall guy. He's just. He's six, yeah, for, three or for four. Me. He's a big guy, yeah. And he's jacked like a motherfucker. For a, but for a normal person, yes. He's not. Uh, no, I think you need to watch Community and all the times he took his shirt off. That guy is jacked what? like a motherfucker. Well, I know he, I know he played football in college. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a big muscly dude. Is he? Uh, Oh, 6'4". Yes. Oh, sh- no shit. Boy, that does not come... 
Boy, I would not Just have... go ahead and put in Joel McHale shirtless. I want to get that reaction, right. too. I, I don't know that I want that in my... I, I don't want that in yes, my you do. search history. Damn it. What I do for You're the fine. podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> that's not fair. Again, another guy. <laughs> he should not get to be that funny. That's bullshit. Fuck him. All right. He's going on my list. But on, on the podcast, he said, like, yeah, I auditioned and, you know, I hated you until I saw the movie and went... No, they absolutely chose the right guy 100%. He had the John Krasinski moment where he saw Thor yep. in the costume. He's like, yep, mm-hmm. nope, no, that's this is, not me. There's nope, a mistake. Nope, this is a mistake. Not, that's not me. Yeah. But, oh, my God, he, you're right, he is crazy ripped. Yeah. Why does he get to be so funny? That's not fair. And knowing that he's 6'4", so sometimes you'll see a guy who's like 5'7", and very well defined, and you're like, yeah, but you're still 140 pounds. He's six four, and he looks like that. Son of a bitch. You know, you know who I thought that with was uh, Stephen Amell. I thought he was a shorter guy that was just stacked. Sure. And then I found out he's my height. <laughs> and you're like, and well, he looks like that. I'm like, holy shit, good for you. Yeah, that's right. You muscular Canadian, you son of a bitch. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, Joe McHale's practically Canadian too. He's from Washington State. Yeah, same so. thing. Basically. Canada they're, South. They're Canada adjacent. That's right. Thanos requires your presence now. After they spare Gamora's life, we cut to who some real bad uh, CG on Mr. Thanos. Yeah. So the poor guy at the end of the Avengers movie gets a face shot and a laugh, and that's it. No laugh, just a smile. Oh, is that was that Josh Brolin's voice? They no, it wasn't. Even, it was an actual actor who is now. Yeah, yeah. But but I thought he chuckles. Doesn't he get a? Doesn't he chuckle? Hang on, I gotta look something up. I think it's the guy who is now playing Darkseid, which is hilarious to me because <laughs> Thanos is just a ripoff of Darkseid. One hundred percent. Damian Damian Poitier, Poitier. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm very wrong, Roy. Porter is playing you in in the new movie. Okay. Um, oh, he's in Civil War. So the guy who plays Thanos in the end of the Avengers. Uh, That's what it is. He's in Civil War. He's in Civil War. He's one of Crossbones mercenaries. Yeah. Yep. He's okay. a big fucking dude. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Because yeah. he's a he's a big boy also. Yeah, a hundred percent. So uh, we also get the um, oh, what's the guy that was communicating with Loki? The other, the other is is there, and Ronan is t- is mouthing off to Thanos. She lost a battle with some primitive. Thanos put Gamora under your trap. When she was apprehended by the Nova Corps. You are the one here with nothing to show for it. Your sources say that she meant to betray us the whole time. Now I've your turn. I make you. Ronan turns his hammer on him that apparently has the power to do this just by sheer force, snaps the guy's neck right around. Yeah. R.I.P. The other. I noticed watching it in 4K today, you see his eye when it flips around for a split second. It's really really terrifying because he's like, oh, I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he's a guy you've referenced before. So his name is Alexis Denisov. Was he an alias? Does he play him in this too? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same actor. I thought it was someone nope, else. Same actor. Wow, I thought, yeah, he's um, he's Allison Hannigan's husband. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. And he was on um, Buffy. That's how they met. Got it, yep, he sure was. And then he goes to Angel, yeah, okay. How I Met Your Mother, he was one of the best side characters in How I Met Your Mother. I'm going to have to watch, at some point I need to watch that series. Oh, you know who would really like How I Met Your Mother is the goon. Yeah, 
Okay. Right. And the best part of it, it's it, aside from like two or three episodes, it's all the same director. So you don't get that sitcom oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, problem of I'm going to make your character do this because yeah. I'm directing this week. Right. <laughs> it's a really right. solid show. Nice. So Thanos and Ronan come to an agreement. Ronan is going to take his forces to the kiln. Mm-hmm. He's going to track down Gamora. We got, we're back in the kiln. And, you know, Todd, you just waxed about how wonderful the, C, the use of 3D in this movie is. I think this next moment may be the best use of 3D in any movie ever. Tell me more. When Rocket is explaining... The guards wear security bands to control their ins and outs. I need one. That dude there. I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. God knows I don't need the rest of them. Look at him, he's useless. On the wall back there is a black panel. Blinky yellow light. There's a Quarnix battery behind it. Purplish box, green wires. To get into that watchtower, I definitely need it. Watching this in IMAX 3D, watching yeah. Groot from behind start to pull the battery out, I'm like, this is the best use of depth of field yeah. with 3D. Because I don't like when the three, like uh, Rocket's gun, when he goes to fire it at Quill back on uh, Xandar, mm-hmm. and it does that shunk, shunk like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's 3D. You know it's 3D. Sure. The depth of field where if you're watching at home in a non-3D uh, or even seeing in the movie theaters, it doesn't fuck with your... It doesn't make you go, oh, that was a 3D moment. Sure, sure. But seeing that in 3D is... Oh, God, it was so beautiful. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm okay with 3D in this moment. And, you know, used to a different tone, but the same concept, you know, our, Patre- our TSPHC Patreon supporters um, mm-hmm. hearing us talk about Halloween with our last Patreon episode, we talked about how how the use of something happening in the background uh, can be very yep. important. It Obviously, in Halloween, it's bad, right, as Michael Myers sits up. Here, uh-huh. it's we're seeing, as Rocket is making the very specific point, that the battery has got to be the last thing we take, because as soon as it's disconnected, everything's going to go into shutdown as Groot pulls the battery. <laughs> Or we could just get it first and improvise. Hi, Jinx and Sue. I love Rocket's Rocket's little like rubbing his eyes down, like, oh the, god, the exasperation. How did I ever get wound up with this oh, tree? Fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, action sequence with one of the best cutaways to humor in this. Definitely in this movie, but maybe in all of the MCU. Drax is taking out guards and having just the best <laughs> fucking really time is. doing it. Dave Batista's laugh. <laughs> In yeah. this movie is great. I think they use a little too much in the next one. In this one, it's it's wonderful. Throws a gun to Rocket. Groot has made a shield out of himself on his arm. Oh, yeah. And they're firing away. It cuts to Peter. He's in charge of getting the leg, and he's just kind of leaning against the guy's cell, and the guy goes, You need my what? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Gamora goes back of into is, the action. Gamora, of course, is like crushing like six guards to get one armband. Um, but yeah. you know, when Drax throws the gun to Rocket, I feel like that is Bradley Cooper's moment of definition for the character in this movie. You get the the joy, and again, my note here: amazing CGI because what we get, the visual we get, Rocket clinging to Groot's back. And you see why, how the two of them are this lethal team. Oh, my God. Yeah. So much fun. And visually, so incredible. 
So they escape from the kiln by um, turning off the artificial gravity everywhere else except in this tower that they're in and taking all these, like, almost drones that fly around as backup for the guards and using their propulsion systems to lift it up and make a literal flying saucer, pretty much. The control room is a little pod. They get Uh loose. The drones are the propulsion. They get out. So they're outside the, the controlled area. Um, the team starts grabbing their gear. Peter realizes that the guard who had taken his Walkman hadn't put it back. He's going after that. He sends everybody else to the Milano. They are out. He, of course, finds the guy, catches up with him, gets his Walkman out. And as Rocket is like, why are we sticking around for this crazy human? We see Star-Lord Rocket outside of the kiln into space, meet up with the group, and they're back together. Oh. No, no, the reason that Rocket asks, he goes, we have the orb. That's right. And cut to Peter's walking down the hallway, flipping it up in the air again. That's right, that's Um, right. Now, the song that plays when they're uh, escaping is the Pina Colada song, otherwise known as... Escape. The escape song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, 100%. Gamora tells them that she had she had previously told them that she had a plan to sell the orb she had a buyer that was going to pay four billion units for it right mm-hmm. um, she won't tell anyone else who the buyer is or what their what the coordinates is so they're forced to continue to work together um, no one knows what the orb is but they assume that it's a weapon and at this point they're a collection of people they're not a team they're all waiting for the moment to betray each other at this point that's right back at the kiln nebula and ronan are questioning slash executing prisoners they want to find where did gamora go where's the orb and yeah that's one of those places where oh you didn't watch game of thrones that would be like if you were captured by the mountain and he's asking where the gold is and there's no gold you're fucked like you don't want to yeah. be you don't want to be facing that question <laughs> Um, um, back on Xandar. So in both, sorry, in both these movies, yeah. this one and the next one, there is a joke that Peter makes that makes me go, uh, let's, how old do we think Peter is when he is, uh, abducted? 12? Uh, well, it's 26 years later. So if he's 12, then he's 38 in this movie, which is a little old. I, I mean, so maybe I'd 10? say 10, you know, eight is probably too young. So 10, I'd say, probably. Does a 10-year-old really know? A 10-year-old in rural where Missouri? Yeah. It, does a 10-year-old know who the fuck Jackson Pollock is? And Quill, your ship is filthy. Oh, she has no idea. If I had a black light, the place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> That's, you know. It's a funny, it's joke, a funny joke until you think about it. You're right. And go... Wait a minute, hang on. He left Earth in 88. He would have no idea who the fuck Jackson Pollock is. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if, well, let's see. When no, was, don't try. Don't, no, it's just, it's a funny joke don't, that they didn't think about. Don't, don't wait for the up. translation answered now. <laughs> I mean, he would have been, yeah, okay. I'm not defending it. Yep, you're right. There you go. You're right. Okay. Thank you. I'm not saying it. it no, no, ding, no, you're again, totally doesn't fine. ding the movie at all. I just go. Ten-year-old's going to know who Jastic Pollock is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missouri? No. (laughs) On Xandar, Yondu is talking to the broker that Peter had tried to make the deal with. GIF alert. One of my favorite GIFs. I can't tell if you're joking or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
that guy's a that guy actor. He's he's really good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's great in this. So Yondu is backed up by his lieutenant. He's being fully serious. Craglin, who is of course Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother. Have you ever watched the the outtakes? Yes. Abubili-bu. It took them forever Abubili-bu-bu. to get through this scene. Abubili-bu-bu-bu. The best part is watching Sean Gunn try. Uh, he's doing Not his damnedest. Break. He's doing his damnedest. But yeah, Michael Rooker just. It's funny. It's it's great. You know, he threatens the broker. He he calls out mm-hmm. his arrow, which he can control, which is a nice nod back to the comics. Yandu in the comics used a bow, and then he it's could an archer, whistle yeah. and control the arrow's flight. Oh, I didn't realize that was part. I just thought they were like, hey, Michael Rooker can whistle really well. No, that that's <laughs> part of the character. They just dispense with the bow. Like, literally, he's got the arrow in a little holster at his side, and by whistling, he can control it with such precision. I did not know that second part, huh? Yeah, yeah so it was, a, it was a cool little update. We then meet the Collector. Yes. The, played by the Bizarre. I don't think there's any other word we can use you know, to describe. Benicio Del Toro. As the collector is as bizarre as his role is. The only difference is he's more menacing in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but he's get sure. got that same kind of bizarre character. And I love Benicio del Toro when he does stuff like that. His character in Usual Suspects was just supposed to be a nothing character. He brought all that shit to it, and Brian Singer's like, "Uh, okay, <laughs> you're okay, yeah. sure, let's do it." And in the comics, the collector is one of the. Uh, I can never remember the term for them. They're, the Eternals. No, the, no, no. The Eternals are no. The Eternals are the the people that the Celestials create. Um, the I thought they were part of that. No, no. Oh. And the interesting thing. So there are these beings um, in the Marvel comics. The Collector is one of them. Um, the Grandmaster in Ragnarok is another one. They are. Um, they're immortal. They consider themselves like brothers and sisters. They're not from the same race. They are the elders of the universe. They elders, each, elders, eternal, elders, eternal. I know that's what always trips me. They are immortal because they each have this like single-minded obsession that kind of transcends their mortality. So for Grandmaster, it's like competition and gamesmanship. And you know yeah. contests of will of of intellect and wit. For the collector, his obsession is collecting things, and we see this uh, menagerie that he has assembled. He has a dark elf. He's got a dark elf. Yep, in a cage. And yes, she's pink skin. She's pink skin, Karina. Um, we've got the absolutely appropriate music by David Bowie, Moon Age Daydream. Right, because we, we end up on Nowhere, which are Celestials. The, he is a Celestial head. It's the head and of And also, a, in the comics, Nowhere is the home base, yeah, right? Yeah, and the same thing. It's the head of a of a Celestial. And um, these outcasts uh, mine the organic material from the head of this Celestial, this cosmic being. And everything organic yeah. they get is valuable. So uh, it's, it's oh cool and creepy. So they've got to wait for the buyer to, uh, the. they're not the guardians yet, the team. The team, sure. Uh, they have to wait for the buyer to come to them. So what do they decide to do? They decide to go to a bar. Of course. Every D and it's every D and D adventure. You start out in a tavern, and something happens there. Well, some shit's about to happen. Uh, 
Quill and Gamora go to look at the view. So Drax and Rocket and decide Groot. they're going to go out. And uh, is Groot drinking too? He's certainly with them. Uh, maybe not. Groot gets aggressive, but I feel like he's just matching whatever Rocket's doing. Right. And at first you're like, oh, Drax and uh, Rocket are getting along. Yeah. They're great. Okay. Great. So then we go with uh, Quill and Gamora. Quill talks about uh, Footloose. A great hero named Kevin Bacon. He teaches an entire city full of people with sticks up their butts that dancing, well, it's the greatest thing there is. Who put the sticks up their butts? What? No, that's just a... That is cruel. Just a phrase people use. Uh, we get new music here, uh, Fooled Around and Fell in Love, and we see this little spark between Peter and Gamora. Uh, not even not even just a spark. They are inches away from kissing each other, and something comes over. Gamora, she takes her, uh, her knife, puts it right at his throat. <laughs> Peter Quill, and I am not some starry-eyed wave here to succumb to your, your pelvic sorcery. Cut back inside, Drax and Groot are fighting, and it's getting ugly. Uh, Rocket's drunk. You just want to laugh at me like everyone else. Rocket, you're drunk, all right? No one's laughing at you. He thinks I'm some stupid thing. He does. Rocket is a special kind of drunk. It, it You know, we got a glimpse of it in the kiln when they were all, after they'd been deloused. Powdered sugar. The lice hate the sugar. Rocket follows him in, and Rocket, of course, has been stripped down, and he's going to put on his jumpsuit. And Rocket turns his back to Peter, and we see that the literally the rocket pack on his back, he has been experimented on, right? He's got things that are implanted in his body. Yeah, And you see Peter's reaction is not like, oh, how cool. It's like revulsion and horror and, and sympathy all at once. That's a perfect setup because it pays off now. Rocket is a tormented being. I didn't ask to be torn apart and put back together over and over and turned into some, some little monster. Rocket, no one's calling you a monster. He called me vermin. She called me rodent. Let's see if you can laugh after five or six good shots. It's a sad, lonely, bitter existence. And this is pretty true to what it is in the comics, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right before they're about to kill each other, Peter comes in and maybe don't yell this in a dive bar, Peter. Four billion units, rocket. Yeah, that's I'm right. Like, hey yeah. guys, not in this bar. Nope. Not here. Not here. They're about to go at it again when Karina shows up and says, "My master is ready for you." They are walking through the collector's. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Menagerie. Menagerie, did you catch all the... I mean, there's a lot of them, but the, the, the highlights. We got yeah. Cosmo the dog. Yep. We got a Reaver. Oh, I missed that. Really? Yeah, like a there's a Reaver. Firefly Reaver? Yeah. And uh, there's a duck-like alien wearing a Fuck red you. suit. Nope. Fuck you. We do, the, the, we do see a... It's there. He's there. We see the cocoon, right? Or is the cocoon nah. after? Uh, no, it's, it's after the explosion. We see it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So Tanelier Tavan, the collector makes an offer right on the spot. I want, he wants to buy Groot. You must allow me to pay you now so that I may own your carcass at the moment of your death. Of course. I am Groot. 
Why? So we could turn you into a freaking chair? Now, Drax is not with them. What does Drax do? He goes on drunk dials Ronan. You shall send a message for me. Good idea, buddy. Sure, he finds a little telegraph oh, hut, and uh, yeah, let me make a collect call. Kudos to the collector for really, like, laying it all out there and letting us know exactly what the Infinity Stones are. Thank you. That makes everything much easier. For creation itself, there were six singularities. Then the universe exploded into existence, and the remnants of these systems were forged into concentrated ingots. Infinity Stone. These stones, it seems, can only be brandished by beings of extraordinary strength. These carriers can use the stone to mow down entire civilizations like wheat in a field. It's a good, quick little bit of exposition that frames up the stakes, yeah. And, of course, is buttoned with a classic James Gunn humor. There's a little pee coming out of me right now. Specifically, we learn that the stones can only be wielded by the strongest individuals, right? Like it's And specifically, the one they have, the Power Stone, is... Don't fuck with the power stone. Yeah. Don't touch it or you'll go explosion. I don't know that they specifically point out which one that is, but the collector shows them a visual of one of the celestials wielding that purple stone and basically a pulse of power incinerates all these lesser beings on this planet. Now, this is a problem. That celestial is easily 20 feet tall. Maybe more. He's a big fucking dude, right? Oh, he's hundreds of feet tall. And yet he's got the stone in his staff, and it is proportionate. Oh, the st- oh, but they're infinity stones. They expand or contract as they need to. That's not a problem. They're infinity right. stones. They're in, uh-huh. It's literally in the name, infinity. No, there's no there's no boundary. Hey, TSPHC Army, if you think Todd is 100% wrong, uh, go and tweet us and let us bitch. know. And yeah. uh, you can do that by tweeting yeah. us at TSPHC Tweets. You're telling me that these stones don't have the, they have the power to remake the universe, but they don't have the ability to resize as needed. They can totally do that. Celestials are strong enough to wield them so they can exert their will over the stones as well. That's that's my headcanon. So right when the deal is about to go down, Karina decides... Karina, stand back. I will no longer be your slave! No! Grabs it, and oh, you can almost like see where she's like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> this is incredibly painful. Do you... Do you see? I thought that was a. I thought she was choosing a free death over living slavery. I thought that was. Oh, yeah, I thought one. she knew what was going to. Oh happen. yeah, she knows what it's going to do oh, to her. She just. I re- just don't think she was ready for how painful it was. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. She knew good. she was going to blow up and hopefully take Tavon with her. Yep. But I don't think she was ready for how painful it was. Got it. Uh, um, so she goes boom. Rocket and Groot escape. And we get our first almost F-bomb. What the? Very close. The closest we've gotten so far. Yeah. Do you think they're ever going to drop an F-bomb? I don't want them to do it for the sake of doing it. If Deadpool ever makes it to the MCU, then he's got to be rated R. Yes, but if he ever is in a crossover in like an Avengers movie, which would be rated PG-13. Then they'll need to creatively... There's an easy way around it. Did you see, isn't it, uh, what was it called? The the um, Rebel Wilson is stuck in a... Um, yeah, in a rom- romantic in a rom- comedy. I didn't see it, but I know the one you're talking about. It's 
charming as fuck. Yeah. Uh, but she's there and she she's walking around. She goes, what the? F-? And like a horn goes off and then she tries again. She's like, oh, right. It's a PG-13 movie. That's funny. Have Deadpool do that. Like he goes to swear and something interrupts. He goes, right. PG-13. Or just put a sensor bleep in there. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Listen, he's the character who breaks the fourth wall. So he can totally do that. He can. That, that'll make perfect sense. Have the sensor bleep happen and be like. Uh, and have everyone be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. And he'd be like, oh, they didn't hear yeah, it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Who are you talking to? Them. Oh, never mind. Never. That's right. You can't. You don't see them. Never mind. <laughs> uh, good news for Drax. Ronan shows up. Yay. Question, Question mark. mark. <laughs> Ronan and Drax fight. This is his reason for existing, right? He's going to avenge his wife and his daughter. And it's so pitiful because Ronan says, I don't recall killing your family. I doubt I'll remember killing you either. He's not even worthy of Ronan's attention. Right. Ronan beats the physical crap out of him. That is him beating the emotional crap out of him. And it's one of those wonderful one-sided fights in which Ronan is never at risk. There's no stakes for Ronan. And Mm -hmm. it's so demeaning to Drax. It's wonderfully done. It's wonderfully done. To your point, you couldn't have hurt Drax more than what Ronan does to him. Jesus. So during this, uh, Quill, Gamora, and Rocket all take these mining pods, and Quill has the idea they don't have any way to fire on them, but they're built to withstand pretty much anything. They just start running into the uh, into <laughs> right. Ronin's uh, ships, <laughs> just taking them. Rocket out. has the light bulb moment and immediately like turns hard right and goes right through one of the necro ships. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's so it's cool. Um, and again, using the three D medium, it's great. This this. This chase with um, Gamora trying to get the stone back to the Milano, Peter and Rocket trying to run interference against Nebula and the Necrocore uh, is just delightful. It th- so that's happening at the same time that Drax is failing to make any impact on Ronan. Yep. And of course, it ends, it ends poorly for everybody. Gamora's ship is destroyed. She's out in space. She's going to die. Uh, Drax is beaten to a pulp and thrown into this piss pool by Ronan. Um, Peter cannot leave Gamora behind. Yondu, this is Quill. My coordinates are two, two, seven, K, three, two, Quill, what are you doing? Just outside nowhere. If you're there, come get me. I'm all yours. He leaves his pod. He goes out to her gives her the mask. Yandu pulls them in. Peter <laughs> initially is being the good guy, and then he brings on that dickish charm again. It's like, I saw you out there. I don't know what came over me, but I couldn't let you die. I found something inside of myself. Something incredibly heroic. I mean, not to brag, Objectively, where's the orb? I don't know if anyone shows uh, disappointment on their face quite as well as Zoe Saldana does. (laughs) She, yeah, (laughs) like at that moment, she's like, "Ah, damn it, Peter, you were so close." (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, But they only have a minute to uh, share that moment between them as Craglin comes in with a crew of armed ravagers and they take Peter into custody. We flash back to nowhere. Groot saves Drax. 
How? Uh, he basically <laughs> punk. So it would do the it exact like, opposite of what he's intending. Thank you. It looks He'd like he punctures his fucking lung. lung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now maybe his anatomy is different. I don't know. It just seemed like a very odd way to get the, him back. The original Drax is has a body that was like literally made out of rock, mm-hmm. animated by Mentor, the leader of the Eternals, and he takes the like the psyche of a human man, yeah, whose wife and daughter were killed by Thanos. Like I think they were driving and like. Thanos crashes to Earth, destroys their vehicle. Was he driving the Thanos helicopter? No, 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 he was not. Um, and takes this guy's like spirit and puts it in this essentially indestructible body. So the original Drax is like indestructible, and yeah. uh, this Drax is a, you know, again, it's a revision to the character. He's not indestructible. He's incredibly strong, but he's going to drown unless uh, Groot saves him, which he does. Rocket is not happy at Drax. Rocket gives him the fucking riot act. Will just got himself captured. None of this ever would have happened if you didn't try to single-handedly take on a freaking army! You're right. I was a fool. All the anger, all the rage was just to cover my loss. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. My wife and child are dead. <gasps> Oh, I don't care if it's mean. Everybody's got dead people. It's no excuse to get everybody else dead along the way. What we didn't point out is yeah. Vin Diesel did the voice of Groot for every version of this movie. Every language. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Which the part of it is that he had to learn I am in, I, I think it's like 12 or 13 languages. Because Groot is just Groot. Yeah, so Groot. But... <laughs> He also, his scripts have the actual dialogue that he's supposed to say. He's got the Groot script so that he can sure. have the inclina- the intonation of I am Groot in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. he has it, what is supposed to be said. You know, Vin Diesel rightly gets a lot of shit as an actor. Appropriately he's kind so, of a douchebag, but he's good in this. Agree. He's really good in this. Yeah, he he acts with a single line. Rocket is ready to cut and run, right? Like, look, there's no upside here. They're not getting the bounty. They're certainly not getting the four billion units. So let's get the fuck out of here. Of course, Drax doesn't agree, and neither does Groot. So Rocket has got to stick around. Cut to Ronan is now talking on FaceTime. Thanos. Thanos isn't good with his FaceTime camera. It's He's way not. too close, Thanos. No. Back up. Back right. up. Come That's on, right. buddy. That's right. And Ronan is writing a new deal. The orb is in my possession, as I promised. Bring it to me. That was our agreement. Bring you the orb, and you will destroy Xandar for me. However, now that I know it contains an infinity stone, I wonder what use I have for you. Boy, I would reconsider your current course. Master, you cannot. Thanos is the most powerful being in the universe. Not anymore. But he takes the Infinity Stone out of the orb, slaps it in his hand, very daring, because we know very few people can do that, and then he uh, <laughs> you know, like, reaches for his hammer that uh, Korath has, 
And he, I just love how gingerly he's like, don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Here's your <laughs> hammer. Right, Please right. don't touch me. Right. I will unfurl 1,000 years of Cree justice on Xandar and burn it to its core. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. Yeah, so now we've got Ronan is now going to take out everybody using the uh, stone himself. That's right. That's uh, right. Yandu is questioning Quill. Um, again, brings up the fact. And I picked you up as a kid. These boys wanted to eat you. They never tasted Terran before. And I, I love Peter's breaking point. Like oh, that. Like, people shouldn't eat people. God. I shouldn't have to thank you for not eating me. Face. It's like it's some great thing not eating me. Normal people don't even think about eating someone else, much less that person ever to be grateful for it. You abducted me, man. You stole me from my home and from my family. It's the best kind of like, he's heard that. He's probably heard that once a week for the last 26 years, right? Like he has reached his breaking point with it. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. calling bullshit on this family story, right? I love it. They are all like, look, we could get the stone back and split the bounty, all that good stuff. Or no, they'll give him the stone. They'll give Yondu the stone. That's and right. uh, they agree, but they have to come up with a plan. And uh, I want to say before we get to that plan, Todd, why don't we take a moment to hear about some of the other programs on the Night Shift Radio Network. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Off Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Q. And on Twitch at Shift Q to join the community. For more information about Shift Alt Q, visit nightshiftradio.com. Hi, I'm Sarah Sweeney, host of the new podcast, Latchkey Kids. Right now, we're all at home, left to our own devices without any adult supervision. Each weekish, I'll talk to my fellow Latchkey Kids about what they're up to, how they're wasting time, and, because I can make them perform a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. So join me wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Fight, and I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because, because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them and we're going to you know talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com and of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. So the team that we know are together. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Quill says he has a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? (laughs) That's a fake laugh. It's real. Which is hilarious because that is the exact percentage that Tony says that Pepper was part of uh, building Avengers Tower. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I was That's waiting right. for it to play off again somewhere, 
uh, be like uh, number. What is the number? There's a number in Star Trek. Code forty one. Forty one is every, everywhere. Everywhere. You think that's a reference to? Do you think that's a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide? You know, I'm sure it's got to be a playful, playful. Yeah. So they decide yeah. they're going to go after Ronan. They're going to do this. They all stand up in agreement. And this is the Chong Gun uh, ad lib that I was talking about. Now I'm standing. Y'all happy? We're all standing up now. Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. That's all Sean. Sean, Sean said it on set. Everyone thought it was great. And Bradley just pre-recorded it. That's brilliant. Brilliant. So then we get a montage. We get Cherry Bomb by... Great song by The Runaways. Oh, man. Joan Jett, Lita Ford. Poor, poor the Bean. We played this for her because she liked the, the rhythm of the, all these songs. She goes, "Yeah, Daddy, what's a cherry bomb?" I'm like, oh, "Fuck, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to tell you <laughs> in this context <laughs> what it means." But, yeah, <laughs> the, little firework. Uh, yeah, so they know that they need to stop Ronan from landing on Xandar. They know that with you know him in possession of the Infinity Stone. He will be able to just literally destroy Xandar. Mm-hmm. So their plan is Rocket is going to take some of the Ravagers. They're going to blow a hole in the in the hull of the Dark Aster. Then the Milano Yandu will enter. Peter is going to go after Ronan with the Hadron Enforcer that Rocket has built. They're going to retrieve the stone. Gamora is going to make sure the security doors are open so Peter can get in there. At the same time, Peter is going to call the Nova Corps. To warn them what's coming. Hey, Casey, if somebody wanted to send a message to us to warn us that Ronan was coming, what would be the best way to get a hold of us? You yeah. can tweet at me at not Ryan Casey. Um, if you want to send it as a picture, you can tag me on your Instagram of yours. My Instagram handle is not dot Ryan Casey. We also have a email, which is superpodherocast at gmail.com because only Cap writes letters. Tony. Now, let's say I, for some reason, am not responding. And they're sure. like, oh, my God, we need to let them know Ronan's coming. Ronan's coming. And they want to send it to you, Todd. How would they do that? I'm on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at TMP in SYR. If you were waiting for Ronan's arrival, you've done all you can, you want to just kind of enter- entertain yourself in the last few minutes, go check out my blog, TMPNSYR.com. All right. So we're on Xandar. And this is where we we get the message. John C. Riley's character is the one that delivers it to Glenn Close. He says Ronan's in possession of something called an Infinity Stone, and he's headed towards Xandar. Did he say why we should believe him? He said his crew just escaped from prison, so we'd have no other reason to risk coming to Xandar to help. He says that he's an a-hole, but he's not, and I'm quoting him here, 100% a dick. Do you believe him? I don't know that I believe anyone's 100% a dick, man. No one could have delivered that better than John C. Riley. John C. Riley, 100%. Now, the Ravagers engage in battle with the with the Dark Aster. Ronan mm-hmm. launches his fleet, and it is like a swarm. And we get this wonderful spaceship dogfight, right? Not only that, um, we also get uh, going against what we've talked about in the past in superhero movies, destruction porn. There's a quick line where... Um, uh, Glenn Close, like, uh, the city is evacuated. It's just us. Like, it's only the people fighting the fight that are that are still here. We get uh, a little, br- we get a little bridge evacuate. stuff. 
They're not initially. Yeah. But they the, they, they start to. We yeah. get a little bridge peril and stuff. But like when the buildings start coming, getting yeah. hit, we know they're empty buildings. You're right. It is a nice. We don't have to. We don't have to question about that. We we've, we've been told that. Um, mm-hmm. Now Rocket is successful. They breach the hull. The Ravagers fighting the swarm of uh, the Necro Corps or whatever they are. Uh, they're joined by the Nova Corps, and it's this great kind of uh, alliance here. The Guardians enter the ship. Nebula is briefing Ronan on what's happening. She seals the security doors. Ronan's singular in his purpose. He's going to land his ship. He's going to destroy the planet. So the Nova fleet do this really cool maneuver where they interlock, and they basically form like this energy shield. Like somehow this connection between the, the ships are able to literally form this energy shield holding the dark aster back. It's a really cool effect. The stakes are really well done. It's just really cool. It, not something that I remember seeing like in spaceship movies. Pretty cool. I'm going down, Twill. No more games with me, boy. I'll see you at the end of this. Yandu has crashed, and as he's essentially alone on the planet, he's confronted by like a squad of Necrocore. Um, he's they order him to tell his men to turn on the Nova Corps. Instead, he mm-hmm. begins whistling. And we see, so we saw it twice. First, he Yandu used the arrow to threaten the broker. Then he used it to threaten Peter. Now we see what he can really do with it. He Jeez. literally takes out like 20 guys, including some guys that are still sitting in their ships. The arrow fucking <laughs> makes pinhole, you know, uh, Swiss cheese of all of them. Yes, it does. Um, let's see, uh, Gamora meets up with Nebula, confronts, she tries to reason with her, but of course Nebula is determined to prove her worthiness and prove her superiority over Gamora. So they've got a fight. Ronan begins. So Ronan now, again, he is a, he's a wonderful villain. Necrocraft pilots. Enact immolation initiative. Kamikaze dives. Yep. They're destroying themselves and destroying what we know is an empty city. But it's, you know, it's beautifully echoed in Endgame when... Careful, Todd. That's a spoiler. It, it, listen, we can talk about it because it makes who? sense. What's happening? It makes sense that Ronan, you know, Ronan has the specifics of his beliefs are different than Thanos. But they are they are both fanatical in their willingness to use any means to accomplish their ends. And it's just a nice, I think it's a nice setup for what we'll see later. Quill, Drax, and Groot are trying to get to a different part of the ship. Korath meets up with them. Star-Lord, finally. Some fight ensues. Drax got Korath up against a wall, and he says, Finger to the throat means death. Rips out his implant on the side. Obviously, Korath is dead. He turns to uh, Quill. Metaphor. Sort of. And then, oh, don't, yeah, remind me never to piss off Groot, because about eight Ravengers come through, and Groot impales all of them. Not, oh. No, it's, it's two lions. And he impales half of them, slams those guys into the other guys, kills those ones, and then just smashes them into the sides to the point where Peter looks back at Drax. Did you catch this? And Drax's like, 
I know, right? This is awesome. <laughs> right? Peter's, Peter's horrified. horrified and Drax's yeah. like, fuck yes. Where was this the rest of the time? Yeah. And uh, buttoned by Groot throwing all the corpses on the ground, turning back and just giving the, did I do good? Smile. Like a big, dumb Labrador. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now we see Rocket and the Ravagers are trying to pr- protect mm-hmm. the city. Right? Because I think actually, I think they're... C- continuing the evacuation yet there it's not fully evacuated so they're trying to protect the city i think this is a callback to late 70s early 80s arcade games they're essentially playing missile command do you remember missile command it was the one yeah so but essentially that's Mm -hmm. what they're doing they're you know 20 feet off the ground aiming up and just trying to stop the ships before they reach land now ronan you know his ship overpowers the Nova fleet, destroys it. Denarian Saul is crushed and oh, killed. That was a sad death. Um, that was that was a sad death. He he calls out to Rocket in his last moment. Rocket calls back to Saul, but it's too late, of course. Smushy smush. Ronan and uh, Drax face off. Ronan tells him... I was mistaken. I do remember your family. Their screams were pitiful. I... In true rocket fashion, Rocket throws a ship at Ronan. <laughs> he sure does. He hits him with a fucking it's ship. Pretty That's intense. Right. That's right. Um, now, unfortunately, this cripples. Of course, Ronan is in essentially the command, uh, the command, the command uh, deck of the yeah, Darkaster. This has crippled the, the ship. The pilots and it begins the pilots out of the that air. are powering the the Darkaster. What a fucking cool visual. With them lean in the chairs, leaning back, and their hands are up, and there's like the white and red. It's yeah, like, I've never seen that in a sci-fi movie. That's pretty cool. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. The whole point is not to have the Darkaster land because if it lands, Ronan can just take the, his hammer, slam it down the ground. Bye bye, all of Xandar. That's right. The whole thing was don't let him land. Hundred percent. But unfortunately, now it's landing because the ship is falling out of the air, and all the and rocket and. Gamora and Drax and Peter are all there together with Groot, and they're going to die in this crash, except for Groot makes the sacrifice. He creates a, a, a garden around them. Yeah, he looks around at the team and closes his eyes. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, he just begins sprouting all these soft, leafy buds, right? Mm-hmm. And Straps. Uh, Drax I, is still passed I, out. Yeah, I got it. Don't worry. Yeah. Drax is still passed out, so he kind of like safety straps him in. Rocket goes to uh, plead with him. It's like, no, Groot. You can't. You'll die. Why are you doing this? Why? And Groot looks him right in the face and just simply says, we are Groot. In your blinding white impact, right? The, sh- yep. the ship crashes. Uh, the only surviving members are, in fact, Peter, Gamora, Drax, and Rocket. Groot's gone. R.I.P. Groot. But unfortunately, Ronan is also still alive. We finally get the name of the team. Your guardians of the galaxy. Lee Pace. I don't know how he stays so fit when he's eating the entire scenery in every scene he's in. <laughs> That's right. 100%. 100%. We get some music. Ooh, child. Mm-hmm. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Listen to these words. Ooh, child. And we get, uh, uh, we get a little dance-off. Yeah. Dance-off, bro. 
Me and you. Did you think? What are you doing? Do you think that's just Lee Pace? Because <laughs> he's so big the entire movie, and then he just goes. Well, the ga- of course, the gag doing? reel. The gag reel. They have fun with that. Yeah. Oh, my God. The gag reel is beautiful. They all start dancing. But it's wonderful. And, of course, it's 100% Peter. He absolutely has Ronan's focus. He's mm-hmm. singing. He's dancing. He says, dance off. He tries to give it to Gamora. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, okay, He's like, subtle. Oh, no, okay. Giving it back. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then when Ronan finally says, what are you doing? The second time, yeah. What are you doing? It's a distraction. I'm distracting you, you big turd blossom. Ronan turns to his right, where Drax now has the Hadron Enforcer again, backed up by Rocket. Yep. And they've already shot him once with it, actually, on the on the the yep. bridge of the ship. Ronan took the blast unharmed. But this time, they have very smartly targeted the stone on the hammer. Can't right. destroy the stone, but it knocks it out of the hammer. It's a free ball. And everyone goes for it. Well, that's not true. Who catches it? Peter and Ronan go for it. Peter Quill. And we're like, oh, no, Peter Quill's going to die. But for some reason, it doesn't affect him that much. It hurts, but it's not going to blow him up. Well, well, it is going to blow him up. But it's going to take longer. Yeah. Yeah, he's fighting it. But you can see, and again, this is a great effect. We saw it with Karina. We see it start to happen with Quill, where essentially... The integrity of your body starts splitting as the energy is like it's, pouring It's forth. really unsettling and disturbing. It's yeah. It really shows you how powerful those are. And Gamora runs over as close as she can because there's. it seems like there's like this energy force that's being pushed out of Quill at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what does she say to Quill? And suddenly, everything fades away. We're out in the galaxy again. There's his mom. Take my hand, Peter. And he takes Gamora's hand. Drax finally gets his his way over there, grabs his shoulder. He holds out his finger so little Rocket can take it. Yeah. And and the four of them are able to hold the power. Harness it, even, because the next thing that happens is Ronan... I can't remember what Ronan says, so I'm just going to drop it in. You're mortal! How? Peter responds. said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. And unleashes the power on Ronan, and we see it. He, you know, he's explodes. Oh, yeah. Ronan, Ronan dead. And he's Gamera gone. Clo- R.I.P. Ronan. Gamora closes the the stone in the orb, and and all is well. All is well, except... Ain't this sweet. In walks Yondu. That's right. There was a deal. He wants the orb. Now, Peter tries to convince him he's got to give the orb to the Nova Corps. It's the only place it'll be safe, but... Yandu doesn't care. They had a deal. He's got a buyer. Give me the orb. Fine. Take it. So Yandu leaves with the Ravagers. They're happy they've got the orb. Oh, and um, Kraglin has an interesting thing here that he says. Probably good we didn't deliver him to his dad like we were hired to do. Yeah, that guy was a jackass. I wonder if that's going <laughs> to become important in a future Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, I don't know. We'll I find know. out. Maybe. You know, Peter uh, tells Yandu before he leaves not to open the orb, you know, cautioning him. You saw what it does to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we realize a minute later why Peter's telling him not to open the orb. He switched it. That's not the Infinity Stone. Nope. And, of course, he doesn't want he doesn't want Yandu seeing that. Rocket mourns Groot by having he's got just this twig that's left over. Yep. Drax comes over and comforts him. Ish. Really sweet. <laughs> like, yeah. On on Rocket's face is, oh, this feels good. And all of a sudden, like, oh, he's 
petting me like I'm an animal, <laughs> but he's still That's accepting right. it. Like, yeah. it's an interesting loving moment between the two of them. That's right. Uh, the Nova Corps explains how Quill is able to survive. I'm not Terran. You're half Terran. Your mother was of Earth. Your father, well, he's something very ancient we've never seen here before. That could be why you were able to hold a stone for as long as you did. It's a nice little opening for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, Drax has refocused. You know, he destroyed Ronan. He's part of that. But he realizes that Ronan was only a puppet. It's really Thanos I need to kill. Uh, again, Gamora's, uh, uh, Zoe Saldana's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought we were right. done with that's this. Right. Um, so, um, so... <laughs> Peter's still wearing his Ravenger uniform at this point. Mm-hmm. Rocket yep. and Drax are now wearing Nova Corps colors, the blue. And okay. Gamora's back in her black that we were introduced, but now she's in a skirt. I'm going to be oh, our, our buddy and five-time guest, Shannon. Six times. Why is she... Why is Six times. Why is she wearing a fucking skirt? She's an assassin. <laughs> So stupid. It's the medal ceremony at the end of Star Wars. It's formal. She wears a skirt on formal occasions. She wears a mini skirt for that? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. On formal occasions. Yeah. Yeah. The Nova Corps was appreciative of what the Guardians did for Xandar, (laughs) so they rebuilt the Milano. They also expunged everyone's criminal records. Yay. Uh, Except Rocket doesn't really understand how that works. (laughs) What if I see something that I want to take and it belongs to someone else? Well, you will be arrested. But what if I want it more than the person who has it? Still illegal. That doesn't follow. No, I wanted more, sir. You understand? What are you left? He, he is Why ushered off by, by Gamora. He's like, oh, he doesn't understand <laughs> this. And then, Sorry. of course, Drax walks up and pretty much describes murder. What if someone does something irksome and I decide to remove his spine? Th- that's... That's actually murder. It's one of the worst crimes of all, so... Also illegal. <laughs> Which Corman Day is mortified. <laughs> you, you can almost He's see a, that, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that's murder. That's very illegal. <laughs> that's like the worst thing. That's right. Uh, we are on the Milano. Yeah. You know, it's really sweet. So Peter opens the note that his mother had given him. There's right. A He's never over. opened the, the package. He's never opened that the package. His mom. Peter. I know these last few months have been hard for you. But I'm going to a better place. And I will be okay. And I will always be with you. You are the light of my life. My precious son. My little Star-Lord. Love, Mom. God damn it, James Gunn. (laughs) Yeah, he sets the note aside and opens the package. Of course, it is Awesome Mix Volume 2. Pops that right in, and we get Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Again, I can't give enough praise to Zoe Saldana's, like, tiny facial expressions. Like, you see the look like, this is a good beat. I'm now going to dance to this. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Gosh, it's good. So good. Uh, uh, the Ravagers. We are get celebrating. in this montage. We get Yondu realizing he's been double crossed. Uh, Quill has put a troll in there. Um, Yondu doesn't look upset. 
No, he's like, oh, I taught you well. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. My boy. That was we it. get baby Groot. Yep. Uh, Nova Prime puts the orb in a vault, so it is in a safe place. Corman Day embraces his family. He had he had thanked mm-hmm. Peter. You know, I have a family. They're alive because of you. And that's the family that w- that that mother daughter combination were yeah. the ones that were on the bridge. Oh yes, that's right. You're Isn't right. that great? That like we find out that we wanted to um, uh, care for them more. Post, we're post. like, yeah. Oh shit, that's, that's right. oh. Um, so they're about to take off. Peter says, so "What should we do next?" Something good, something bad, a bit of both. We'll follow your lead, Star-Lord. Bit of both. Cut into uh, Jackson 5's I Want You Back. Uh, And I won't say end movie because this goes right into our first post credit scene, which is Baby Groot doing a little dance. And seems to be upsetting <laughs> Drax for some reason. He I, stops every time Drax looks at him. It's so weird. I viewed that as I don't think at this point Drax knows that Baby Groot is alive. I think Baby Groot is trying to stay like immobile. Because I think Drax is well, clean. He's like cleaning his knife, and he's like, "Wait, what did I did I see something move?" It's like that kind of it's like that kind of reaction. This is something that James Gunn has come out and said. Oh. So this is not. Speaking out of turn, much like with Baby Yoda, until we knew he was Grogu, we we're calling him Baby Yoda. This is not Groot, right? This is a offspring it's, of Groot. Groot died. Groot sacrifices life. He's gone. It's arguably son of Groot. Yeah, which is why he's an insufferable prick. In <laughs> he well, he passes through. You know, he's a child in Guardians Two. He's a moody teenager in Infinity War. Oh, Endgame, boy. Right? And then uh, credits yeah. roll through the whole thing. And then at the end, we've got the uh, collector hanging out in his uh, destroyed collection. And this really, like, uh, really, like, gruff voice is, is talking about, like, What do you let it lick you like that for? Gross. And at the end, it pans up and there's a duck wearing a suit. Son of a bitch. And it goes to black, and there's one more line, and that line... Your burn's going down. What's the name? What's the subtitle name on that? Because when there's nobody on screen, they got to let you know who's talking. I'm pretty sure, Todd, it says Howard. It's Howard the Duck. So listen, listen, my hatred of Howard the Duck is not for the comic book character. It's for what that movie did to to superhero movies for a decade. Or half a decade. Well, and you know who's doing the voice, right? Uh, no. Who is it? Seth Green. That's right. I remember when it happened. That's right. I remember that. That's right. Fantastic. And movie. Nice. That so was Todd, so much fun. Such a great movie. Um, we got some questions. We do. Um, Todd, who's your favorite character? Who? You know, I'll be honest with you. Especially amazing, considering this is an ensemble movie, and mm-hmm. all of these characters are introduced for the first time, and we know and love all of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Rocket because I love what Bradley Cooper did with him, but I'd be fine with <laughs> any other character, any of the I any know. of the other Guardians. I'd be fine with. How about you? Um, it's not a Guardian. Oh, okay. If you say it's Howard the Duck, Le- we're fighting. 
No, it's it's Lee Pace. Lee Pace oh, is yeah. in uh, just having the best time with this. I mean, when he says the uh, Necropilots execute uh, initiative, whatever, like, yeah. you know, Lee Pace is like, I know what fucking movie I'm in right now. Yeah, he's really good. You know, he, he's having a great time. Arguably, you know, you can make the point you don't really need him once we get Thanos because he essentially functions very much like Thanos. He's a true believer in this nihilistic pursuit, right? So right. it would be sur- superfluous to have them both. But, you know, it's disappointing because it would have been interesting to see what they did with, you know, that's an interesting concept, right? The the re- the deeply faith-based pursuit of destruction and mm-hmm. genocide is interesting to explore. So it would have been interesting to see what they did. But, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. Well, hey, we Kate. may get more of oh. him because he is uh he's floating around in the Captain Marvel 80s. That's true. That's true. I I would not And her be... next movie's going to is not going to be it's brought to modern forward. times. Okay. No. I oh, don't believe I'd be, so. I'd be I'd be good with that. That'd be cool. Mhm. So Casey, what is your best scene? It's the kiln escape. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, from um, you know the fact in the middle of all this really well plotted and executed action you've got the humor of rocket sends peter on this wild goose chase of the the leg because he thought it'd be funny like yep. that's really solely good. just funny yeah yeah 100%. um todd what's the one scene you would cut uh you know i feel you know if there was something i feel like the whole sequence once they get inside the dark aster, that feels very complicated. But to but to the movie's credit, it moves right along briskly. It doesn't seem to yeah. drag. I mean, I, I don't no. think there's anything I would cut. I would trim one thing, and that mm-hmm. is Carmina's uh, demise. Oh, okay. I would take some of that because I would love to show this to the Bean. But the instant that happened, she would be like, "I'm out." Like that's a little intense. Yeah, it's very and it's it's suddenly intense. This movie has dealt with violence in more of a comedic slapstick way up to this moment. More of the abstract is, ships exploding kind of way. Yeah. Yep, this is uh, for real. Like you see this person explode. It's that's very personal there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Casey, who is? Well, I think I know what you're. Well, maybe not. Who is the actor having the most fun? It's Bradley Cooper. Yeah, it's a Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah he's having so much fun. Yeah, because he's especially since like a lot of like uh, like your Andy Circuses and your James uh, Spaders, which we'll get very soon. Sure, they're on set doing this. Bradley just goes into a booth and gets to record yeah. and probably take out any uh, underlying frustration he has for that day, right. week, month, year. I don't know. He's like That's he's a very right. angry little guy. So yeah, you know, I I love and again. I, if you haven't seen it, it's worth tracking down. I They did it for the second Guardians movie. I don't think they did it for the first one. But I think it's representative of of, of Bradley Cooper's performance. They, they, you know, video, they captured, not like mocap, but they have video of Bradley as he's doing the lines, and that becomes yeah. part of the animation for the character. And I think that's such a brilliant summation of how deeply he invested himself in that character. It's just wonderful to watch. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's it's almost more enjoyable to watch Bradley Cooper reading the lines. 
like performing right. the lines. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Casey, so Todd, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Casey, uh, the IMDB score for this movie was an eight out of 10, 8.0. What say you? 9.5. That is literally what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. This nine point. This is a solid 9.5. Yeah. There's enough things in it that you go, yeah, okay. But it, and, and, and that 0.5 I'm taking off is not like this part of the movie sucks. Yeah. It's just, it's 9.5. It's not a perfect movie, but it's really fucking good. Yeah. I'll say this. I'll watch this movie over and over and over again. It was so much fun. I'll, I'll spoiler for the next one. I'll watch this one before I'll watch the second one. <laughs> I am not a fan of the second uh, one. Uh, Dad's breakdown. So you referenced the the explosions are intense. Yeah. The, the the personal people exploding. Um, I do like the fact that they make a point of establishing that they're clearing the city. But yes, mm-hmm. depending on, so this is one of those ones that really comes down to your particular child. That could be very intense for some kids. Now, if they can be okay with that or you can do a little distraction, there's a lot that's fun that is not that intense. Certainly the whole kiln sequence is a yeah. lot of fun. There's a lot of other fun bits. Um, so yeah. be thoughtful. Um. All right. I think we're at a uh, little spot where I pull a, movie out of a helmet and now it's time to pick the next movie from thor's helmet all right well uh casey let's give it a shot here let's see what we got uh if i just reach in gingerly to the top of the bag i just want to show you what's right on the front oh okay well clearly you can't pull (laughs) howard the duck so that can't happen (laughs) i just saw it when i pulled it out i was like oh my god oh that would be todd would lose his fucking mind all right, I have a piece of paper in my hand. Yes, yes. Oh, no. Well, we've just unlocked another series. Okay, what series have we not unlocked yet? The Toxic Avenger. Fuck. Oh, my God in heaven. All right, so the first one's not bad, uh, oh. but this just means we've got a lot of shit to go through after oh, this. I geez. think at one point he becomes, like, the mayor of the town. Yeah, I, well... I don't know. Listen, I guess we've had we've we've had a couple of high water marks for the podcast, but uh, we we didn't go three in a row on that. That's for sure. Yeah, no hat trick for us. Nope. All right. Well, let's um, uh, watch a trailer. Let's watch the trailer. Meet little Melvin. He's a ninety-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. Superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. All right, everybody, drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out. The vandals and the perverts had their way with the little people of Tromaville until the Toxic Avenger ripped them apart. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. 
the Toxic Avenger can bend steel with his bare hands. drug pushers, smashes hit-and-run drivers. For incredible explosive action, you must see the Toxic Avenger. He's a different kind of hero. The Toxic Avenger is coming to your town. Look out. Okay, so okay. that's a... Uh... Movie. You know, I remember when this watch. came out. I don't think I've ever seen it. So this, you know, I know what it is, but I've never seen it. I've, so yeah. I, I've seen this movie. It's not, okay, it's not great. It's well, trauma. But here's the thing: like with trauma, we have mm-hmm. we need to go into this knowing that trauma is trying to make a, a Roger Corman shitty B movie. Sure. Like that like is Batman sixty six. Right? They're calling their shot. They know exactly what they are, and that's what they're hitting. Yeah, so we need to make sure that when we watch this, that that's in the back of our mind. That's fair. Because a lot of people go, uh, trauma, you know, I'm like, no, that's what they're trying to do. And what an interesting parallel. So you talked at the beginning of the episode about James Gunn, his roots right? in trauma, and now we're uh, mm-hmm. going to that production house, right? So we're, Yeah, Yahoo, I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Uh, all um, right. Hey, uh, TSPHC Army, thanks for uh, joining us for another year. We hope, uh, you know, when this episode drops, we are still uh, a month away from it, but you'll only be five days away from, you know, our country slowly starting to go back to one of sanity. Uh, So that'll be nice. Music for a podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. He puts out a variety of music at his website, which is incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Check out his work at silvermansound.com. And speaking of sound, uh, we would not sound as great as we do talking about these silly comic book movies if it were not for the wonderful Kitsy our sound engineer here at Night Shift Radio. You can find all of their information at kitzy, K-I-T-Z-Y, dot com. All right. So, Todd, that was a movie. That was a great movie, dude. I, I had a lot of fun movie. watching it and a lot of fun talking I, about it with you. As always, I always, you know, we will watch a shitty movie, but I still have a great time talking about it. It's even better when it's a good one. Agree. All right. So that'll do it for the Super Pod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Danny Ryan. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm I I'm changing the the fuck, what's the line? The terms of our arrangement. Uh, yeah, I'm changing the terms of our arrangement. Pray I don't change them anymore. That's right. That's right. That's right. So why are my ears? Why are my ears? Fuck. <laughs> so. Damn it. <laughs> Come on, Casey. We're pros here. Shut up. All right.